A moo cow, a new cow, a true cow, and Caroline. Mamu, mamu. Wow, pulling pulling the most beloved song of the musical. Yeah. yeah. Most important piece. I genuinely cackled when I made the realization that they're all the same song every time she does a new act. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe Vaudeville should come back. Maybe she had a point. <laughs> I have hot takes on vaudeville. I cannot wait to talk about this. I don't even want to get, I don't even want to do banter up top. We have so much to discuss oh with this. God. I mean, that's fine. I think that we, we can skip banter if you really want to. Um, but I do want to say to the listeners before we I'm dive pregnant. in. <laughs> <laughs> but we can skip Congra- it. Congratulations, Adam. Um, uh, that you probably know because you saw the episode title, but today's musical is a beloved classic. Oh, That's yes. name is unfortunately a racial ethnic slur. Um, we're going to do our best to avoid saying it unnecessarily, but we're going to have to say the title I'm sure. And the character it refers to at some points in the podcast. So apologies <laughs> in advance for the fact that we're going to be using an outdated and offensive term in the course yeah. of this discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time I just refer to her as Louise. So yeah. yeah, for most of the musical, she is known as Louise. So that's yeah. totally fine. But this is, it's based on a real person and this was their actual name that they adopted. So that's, that's the situation. Sorry to start us out on a bummer note, but it feels important <laughs> to address right up top. Do you yeah. want to do banter now, Adam? To get us back <laughs> Are you in a good bantering yeah. now, Adam? Energy? Yeah. Um, no, I want to go right into it. Okay. Okay. My challenge this week, I have to summarize this stupid fucking show. It's wow. really long. <laughs> um, this summary that I wrote is long. I know I'm going to go over, and it is what it is. I'm not rewriting this. so giving, right. We'll give an extra minute just for Sondheim. Just yeah. for Sondheim, yeah. All right, Adam, this is your one-minute summary, and your time starts now. The vaudeville era is dominating the American stage, and Rose Hobbit <laughs> is determined to make, make her daughter June a star on it. June is talented, whereas her sister Louise lacks the performing ability, but is forced to participate in the shows to support her sister. On the way from L.A. back home to Seattle, they meet Herbie, a man with connections in the industry, and immediately he takes a liking to Rose and her daughters. They go across America from city to city with baby June and her act. Over time, as the girl girl's age, interest begins to wane, and baby Je- baby June has become dainty June. At a crossroads, June quits the troupe to be eloped, leaving Louise forced by Rose to become the star of the act. However, America has started to move on from vaudeville with the advent of the motion picture becoming more and more popular, but Rose still has dreams for Louise. In Wichita, they have been booked for their act at a burlesque theater, and while Rose is initially hesitant, she realizes that they must perform in order to make enough money to survive. At the end of their run, she has agreed to leave show business behind and marry Herbie with Louise in tow, but a chance opportunity sees Louise performing burlesque for the first time. Herbie leaves the relationship disgusted at who Rose has proven herself to be. However, Louise blossoms and becomes the most famous stripper in America, Gypsy Rose Lee. Later in Louise's dressing room, Rose stops by and finds that her role as not only manager but mother is completely unneeded. She lashes out and the two have a fight. Rose takes one last look at the stage, realizing that everything she did for the girls was actually for herself, and Louise catches her at the end of the revelation. The two seemingly reconcile, and the film ends on a hopeful note as the mother and daughter forge forward in understanding and a newfound relationship. Wow. A minute and 40... Period. 40. Period. Period. I I feel like you know, it wasn't the, you cut it out it shorter. 
I yeah. feel oh, it, was, it was definitely superfluous for sure. Yeah. But doing something in a self-serving way is very on theme. So I think very that's yes, really great. I really mama roasted yeah. this. You mama, you mama roasted it all Rose's the way. summary. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, I'm going to start. So I, my relationship is that I have been in Gypsy. Wow. I, this is weird because Gypsy is not famously a big chorus heavy show. In case you watched the film, you may have noticed that. Um, yeah. I was in, uh, there's like three sections of like the act. So I was one of the kids in the audition in the first scene. And then mm. I was, and this was at St. Mary's, which is the, the girls' school that's across from Notre Dame. Um, I was in the first scene, ah. and then I was one of the boys in the like in the baby June segment before we get swapped out to the dainty June segment. Okay, um, with the strobe light. So it wasn't a lot, but it was fun, and I had a the hugest crush on the girl who played baby June. Her name was Krista Thompson. I loved her. Um, she sounds she's too, so wholesome. Uh, she's very yeah. sweet, and she had the like she, everyone. She, she did like the perfect ringlet, like Shirley Temple curls for it. It was great, mm. great. Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with her. Probably it was really not that I had a crush, but I just wanted to be her. To be honest, yeah. I was just like, ah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I. It's weird because I don't think about this musical a lot because while I was in it, it's so it's so small. Like my thing in it was so small that I don't really have like memories of it apart from like Mm -hmm. Krista but um I I have been in this so there you go amazing RJ um I first came across this musical when I came in late to musical theater around high school (laughs) that was when uh Patty Lapone won the Tony for her performance so I saw her performance at the Tonys I was like who is I had I had at this point it's the first half of your life right yeah Okay. So early. It's no, first you're, half. S- you're saying late in life. Oh, oh, damn. Caught in my own act. I think you're old now, aren't yeah. you? Uh, I, just like I was with, wait, wait, wait. I have to say, I was with some friends at a wedding who I went to high school with. We're all the same age. And somebody was telling me how she plays on a soccer league and somebody got in trouble because there was a 15 year old on the team and it's supposed to be adults only. Mm-hmm. And she was like, this kid was crushing us. And I said, yeah, he's literally half your age. <laughs> and she like, her eyes got so wide. She had such a moment of realization that a 15 year old is half as old as she He's is. He's actually yeah. not. Well, you're not peers. Okay. You're you're really, not. really not peers. Yeah. Um, and I had like, I knew Patty Lapone to an extent, but that was like, oh my God, this is a powerhouse diva. So that's how I got it uh, obsessed with that song. Um, well, she, well, she performed Everything's Coming Up Roses mm. on, oh, at on the, the Tonys and then through like listening to clips and, and that album that's how i found rose's turn and then went on a gay spiral listened to every single version of rose's turn by every single diva that played her <laughs> on the stage of which uh, there have been many plenty yeah. plenty of rose's turns so i um i actually sang that song at a like cabaret in orlando for like a birthday of one of the one of my directors then she uh, he wrote a a drag character for me he famously put me in drag for the very first time and so mm-hmm. i wrote i re i performed it as that character so it was blessica's turn and just uh basically was like you wrote me as a as a side character but i also have <laughs> wants and needs um, and then that show that he wrote that character for me i auditioned by singing uh the dainty june farm boy song so i did the new cow moo cow I believe yeah. I, I believe I brought up stuffed animal. Mm. 
as the cow. Mm. So that's that's my background. I love the, uh, the hits. It's the it's the bops. But you've never seen yeah. it. This is my first time seeing the full shebang. I've seen mm. clips of numbers. So this is my first time mm-hmm. seeing like the actual story in between the numbers that connected all of it. Because it's the songs definitely feel like. I mean, it's it's kind of like a vaudeville act in that way of like the songs feel like you could watch them as. Well, some are diegetic and some are non-diegetic. Yeah. Oh, so, my God. We're dropping the terms. Dropping the terms. Yeah. Take a drink, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Molly. Um, I'm in a similar place to RJ where I hadn't actually watched this all the way through ever before. Um, I knew the general plot. Um, and I knew the famous songs from it and had seen, mm-hmm. yeah, clips of people performing it, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it lived in one of those spaces in my brain of like, it felt like a musical I knew already, even though I hadn't actually ever exactly. sat down and consumed mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like just from like the discourse, people talk about it, how much it's referenced in other works. Right. You it's know, so uh, beloved. Yeah. Yes. It's so beloved. And you just know it's like, it's about, you know, like a, like an overbearing stage mom, like, and you, that you kind of just like, okay, I understand the show. <laughs> RJ once cast me as an overbearing stage mom in a film that he produced in college. We all know the type. We all know. Oh my God, that was what? so long ago. What show? So long ago. Was that, was that in? It was the film, fa- there was like that thing where you yes, could like we did sign up and festival, they would give you a camera. We did two, oh. we did two. One was like you doing the different Broadway divas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't remember the second year that we did it. I don't remember. It had to have been sophomore year. Yeah, it was freshman and sophomore year. The freshman year was when we did all the different freshman divas. Freshman year was divas, yeah. Wow, I wonder if that Vimeo Because I did an impression of... Maybe. Catherine Hepburn. No, I did an impression of Kristen Wiig doing an impression oh, of Catherine, Catherine Hepburn. Yes. That's how Gosh. removed we were from the <laughs> yeah. actual person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't say this. I'd never seen the movie until last night. I, okay. I did not mention that. I know the all show. All of but... us. Yeah, so all of us were first time watching. And there's two versions of the movie, right? Is the Bette the Midler older? version that was a TV movie? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. In 93. Gotcha. Yeah. So, but it was all of our first time watching, I think, any version of the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Filmed adaptation. Yes. Um, so Gypsy is based on um, Gypsy Rose Lee, the performer, her memoir called Gypsy, a memoir. Uh, it was released in 1957. Which is okay. So, released in 1957, it details June and Louise's early life on the road, culminating in Louise. It actually ends when she's about to board a train to head to Hollywood for the first time to like go be in motion pictures. But in actuality, her her motion picture career was not that storied. Like, it, she was in a mm-hmm. bunch of she was in a few things, but she was in very small parts to the extent that she considered like not even billing herself as her stage name, just billing herself as Louise. Havik because she was like so embarrassed that the parts she were get she was getting was so small oh. because of how famous she was generally outside. Yeah. Of so wait, so was the biography released midway through her life, so she didn't know yes. at that time? It it technically is a mem- okay. it's a memoir. I shouldn't say it's an autobiography, okay. but she okay. did write it. Um, then this memoir is turned into two years later. It's turned into Gypsy, a musical fable, which is the full title, which I didn't realize Mm -hmm. that was the full title of the musical music is by Julie Stein lyrics by Stephen Sondheim and book by Arthur Lawrence. Arthur Lawrence. We had discussed with West side story, Stephen Sondheim. We'd also discussed with West side story. Um, and Julie Stein, uh, funny girl, funny girl, funny girl. Uh, okay. Um, so, um, in 1959, producer David Merrick reads the memoirs in, in Harper's Magazine, and he approaches uh, Rosalie for the rights. 
Jerome Robbins signs on and brings Leland Hayward on as co-producer. Ethel Merman is attached to the role of Rose, and she'd always wanted to work with Leland Hayward as producer. And then Arthur Lawrence agrees to write the book only when he realizes the story isn't just a biography. It's really like a story about like a mother like living vicariously through her children. Uh, Cole Porter and Irving Berlin turned down the option to, to write the mm-hmm. music and lyrics. And so Jerome Robbins asks Stephen Sondheim, who agrees, but Merman was hesitant about a, non, a, a, new a new composer because this would have only been his second thing. He had just done West Side Story before. And again, he only did lyrics. He'd never done a score before. So they get Julie Stein to do the music and then Sondheim just does the lyrics only. And Hammerstein... Oscar Hammerstein actually pushes Sondheim to accept this deal because he initially was like, I don't want to just be stuck as a lyrics guy. Uh, and then from here on out, he's music and lyrics for the rest of his career. So yeah. suck it up. Suck Steven. it up. <laughs> just one more, girl. Just get that check, okay? Get the damn check the so damn- you can furnish. By the way, Stephen Sondheim's condo is on the market. You can own Stephen Sondheim's condo. Seven million t- townhomes. Or is it a townhome? Yeah. It's a townhome. Wow. So I think if we all pitch in... Um, if yeah. we all... All, all six of us who are listening to this show, pitch yeah. in. All the elder millennials yes. that are listening. Um, all the elder queers. Yes. yes. We'll run it as an Airbnb. <laughs> um, we and will, charge for everything. We'll be landlords. Yes. We're going to go full investment property. <laughs> um, between Trio and Premiere, seven songs were cut. Which t- And there's a lot of songs in this, so that tells you that there was even more than yeah. we could have. Yeah. Um, I really don't have anything interesting to say about the musical in the original production, I was trying to keep it keep it tight so we can get. You to the felt like there was a lot of music in the sh- in the movie. In the musical, there's more. Oh, in the musical, there's yeah. more. Okay, okay. So there's like, like the there's like three or four songs that are cut from ah, the film. Okay, okay. Um, then this musical has been revived on Broadway four times. Wow! And it's had two West End adaptations. So. 1970, 1973, Angela Lansbury opens it in the West End. Then it comes over to for its first revival on Broadway with Angela Lansbury. The end oh. changes. Um, they change the ending where Louise has a sarcastic laugh at Rose's dream and walks off stage. Rose turns back to the audience somberly as the footlights slowly go out on her unfulfilled dreams. Very, wow. very, very heavy. Yeah. yeah. 1989, Tyne Daly. Uh, mm-hmm. is Rose in the Revival. I'm obviously only just saying who is Rose in the Revival. Nobody cares who the Louis- Louises are. Um, and that goes back to the original ending. 2003, Bernadette Peters. Uh, the ending changes once again to Rose being the last one out through the stage door, looking back at the stage, and then she chooses to slowly close it behind her. Mm. Metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, 2008, Patti Lapone. Uh, is Rose, and they go back to the 1974 Angela Lansbury ending. Oh, somber. And this is also the iconic time when Angela Lansbury screams... I'm sorry, Patti Lapone screams, stop taking pictures during the stop, middle of the show. Stop, stop, If Angela Lansbury had lost her cool and yelled at people to stop taking pictures, that would have really been a moment. Yeah. I saw someone take four pictures.
Now, here's what's crazy about that story. I just played the audio for the listeners. Okay. Um, here's what's crazy about that story. That person was hired by the show to take pictures during that show. Yes. Really? Yes. I never knew that. <laughs> yes. That's that the part of the story that no one knows. But yes. Well, there was like a scandal at one point on Broadway because somebody was using a device to caption the... Yes. Yes. That was Hades Town. Somebody yelled. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think we probably shouldn't yell at audience members even... Even in the worst possible scenario, I feel wow. like it's better to err on the stance. side of yeah. Better to err on the side of be an actor and just get through it. Yeah, and then the be Patti annoyed Lepone, later. The Patty Lapone version is also, I believe, when Laura Benanti was Louise. I know you said you don't care and, about the Louises, but I yes. love but Laura Benanti. She, yes, and she so. won the Tony for that. She did win the Tony for that performance. And then in 2015, the West End revival was with Imelda Staunton, currently the cre- the queen and the crown. My um, my country and they <laughs> my country Louis sing out Louise and <laughs> the they changed the ending yet again Whoa. to wow. them walking off Louise with her arm around the back of her mother as it's now her turn to take care of Rose. Mm. Oh, this this reveals so much about how nobody knows how this relationship should end. Yes. Like, yes. does yes. she deserve forgiveness at the end? Yes. Yeah. And even the there's a whole section in the Wikipedia page that has like quotes from different people who have played the role of being like because um Patty's take is like she's not a monster, she does monstrous things, but she's not a monster, she's just like a flawed, complex character. While it's like Bernadette's whole thing is like it's actually just trauma from being left as like a young girl from her own mother. So it's like just hurt people, hurt people is like her take. And like I mean, I guess it, it could all be the same idea, but it's interesting what people f- find the most fascinating part of Rose's character. Yeah. The original uh, run was nominated for three, four, five, six, eight Tonys and one zero. Wow. Because the other musical that was that year was The Sound of Music. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay. So, and it was famously Roger Hammerstein's last musical on Broadway. So, yeah, I think Oscar Hammerstein like died right after it opened or something like that. Yeah. I'd have oh. to go way back in my memory hole from when we did the Sound of Music episode from 2015. 2015? Oof. Yeah. Um, Ooh, but it was nominated for Best Costume Design, Best Singing Design, Best Conductor and Musical Director, which they do not have as a category anymore. And they should. And they my should. God. Yeah. Best Direction of a Musical, Best per- Performance by a Featured Actress in a Musical for Sandra Church. Uh, as Louise, I believe. Best Performance by a Featured Actor in a Musical for Jack Klugman as Herbie, best performance by a leading actress in a musical for Ethel Merman as a rose. You'll be swell. You'll, you'll be, be great. great. And best musical. <laughs> Gypsy uh, is directed by Mervyn Leroy. This is the film, obviously. Its screenplay is by Leonard Spiegelglass. 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 <laughs> Larry L- Leonard S. Uh, it is produced by Mervyn Leroy. It stars Rosalind Russell, Natalie Wood, and Carl Malden. Rosalind plays Rose. Natalie plays Louise. Carl plays Herbie. Cinematography is by Harry Stradling. It is edited by Philip W. Anderson. Um, the music and lyrics are by Stein and Sondheim. And then the music for the film is arranged and conducted by Frank Perkins. Um, it was is, is he the conductor in the... In the no, place? but that's so funny that you asked that. It's Julie Stein. Yeah. Um, for the part that Molly probably like just fast forwarded through the overture. Yeah. I hated uh, it. It's distributed by Warner Brothers. <laughs> it was released on November 1st, 1962. 
Um, so this is only five years after the memoir comes out, which I think is just that yeah. turnaround is so crazy. And then and three years after the musical first. Yes. Yeah. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Hot. They were writing it hot. And. Uh, oh, and then the running time is 143 minutes. A bit long. Do we have a lot of Warner Bros? Have we done a lot of Warner Bros? We've done some. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the budget is four million, and it made eleven million seventy six thousand nine hundred and twenty three dollars, down to the exact. I'm guessing dollar. that's wow. an inflation situation that they put in a calculator, maybe. And no, I think that's mm-hmm. real. Wow. I don't know. The books. Louise must have done the books. Louise yeah. did the books. Louise I mean, is a seamstress and she's an accountant. She's just accountant, producer. That sounds to me like a success. I don't know like what multiple you need to make for it to be considered a success, but seems, seems like good. a good it was return, the, it, right? It was yeah. the eighth highest grossing film of the year. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I feel like they released a lot of movies back then. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Who if knows? You make, if you break top 10, that's pretty good. Um, uh, at the Academy Awards. Okay, this is nominated for three awards, only three. Best scoring of music, adaptation or treatment, best costume design color, and best cinematography color. None of the big ones. None of the big ones, which I think is very interesting. However, at the Golden Globes, this was nominated for like everything. And then it won, Rosalind Russell won for Rose at the Golden Globes. Okay, a best actress musical. Uh, Apparently, during the filming, Gypsy, the real life Gypsy Rose Lee visited set to give Natalie Wood tips on her stripping. Wow. Which is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also wanted to say, uh, Rose Lee, it, actually, this was the third book she had ever written, her memoir. Her first book is a detective mystery set in a burlesque theater. Oh, my gosh. And it's called The G-String Murders. Oh, my gosh. I need to read this. Doesn't <laughs> that amazing? It sounds so good. So I think good. we drop the pod here. We go read. We come back. Absolutely. And then just have a book club episode. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Um, and then she also wrote a play too, which is interesting. She wrote, oh, she wrote, wow. a, she wrote a book, a play, and then a memoir. Yeah. Did she write as Louise? Like she's, no, she's she wrote the, it was, as Rosalie. It was credited as, yeah, mm-hmm. her stage name. Um, in the original the, in the casting, casting decisions, uh, Rose was considered originally between Ethel Merman, Judy Garland, and Judy Holiday. Um, Rosalind Russell had just been trying to get a play, like a, just a straight, a straight play version of this film made, but the rights were tied to, to the, the play. Music. So they mm. had to basically do the musical version. So that's kind of how she got her way into it. Um, oh, she was trying to just do a straight play, not even a film or she, no, she was to trying to do no stri- music. Yeah. Just, just a regular drama of the, of the film, ah. but ends up in the musical version. Um, she, I feel like, is that rare? I, I that's such a, curious like thing of like what's a musical that you feel like would have worked as a better just straight drama you know movie adaptation i mean I we, kind of, we touched on it with uh the king and i uh because oh, okay. there have been there have been like anna and the king yeah that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Adaptation, yeah and i feel like um, we talked about it with dear evan hansen in terms of like how serious oh, they well, wanted to make it well anything mama <laughs> And anything would have been better. Yeah. Girl, that could have been a book in Braille, honestly. <laughs> um, Louise uh, was considered as Aunt, for Anne Margaret. So I know RJ is going to be very sad that we didn't get the Anne Margaret version yeah. of Louise. Let me entertain. Because there was a scat, like a, yes. like a, a jazzy, <laughs> jazzy yeah. version on the, at the end. Uh. RJ's obsessed with Anne Margaret. He <laughs> references her a lot. Reference her <laughs> Um, Frutiger Arrow and Anne Margaret. That's those are my trends right now. Yeah. Big trends right now. Hashtag yeah. trending. 
Um, Trend alert. <laughs> Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret. Margaret. Jazz. <laughs> um, so Rosalind Russell did not do the scene. She recorded the songs and then they ended up using another of uh, different vocalists to dub over for the film. All the songs? Not all the songs. Oh. The Mr. G- Mr. Goldstone. That is her actually singing live in the room. They're like, okay. have a bite, Mr. Goldstone. Yes. Have, a, have mm-hmm. an egg roll, Mr. Goldstone. Yep. Um, sure. Apparently her, you know, her singing wasn't, it was, it was a lot. It's a, it's a big, it's a, it's a weighty, hefty amount of singing Rose's character has. Um, uh, allegedly after mm-hmm. Ethel Merman died, there was a box found in her belongings with a recording of Rosalind Russell singing the role. And it was like Ethel was so mad that she did not get to play this role in the film. And so this was like her consolation prize. And I'm sure she just played to herself now and then to remind herself of how, how she is still superior in this one yeah. way than Rosalind like, Russell, which so is like so it's like a recording petty. of Rosalind Russell doing a bad job of singing yes. a song, yeah. basically. Yeah. Okay. That she would just like listen, like, you know what? I'm I'm at least it's a, at least I didn't do this. I'm better yeah. than this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's wow. a big sleigh. Honestly. That's so funny. That's diva. It is. It's it's also funny because of the fact that it just was found after she died. And so it's not like she like she didn't need <laughs> she anyone didn't, to know about it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's just for me. It's, it's just, just for me. me. Yeah. And then you find out yeah. later, like, wow, she this is her self-care. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, you gotta do what you gotta do to yeah. get through losing out on one of the, probably the closest <laughs> thing she would have ever gotten to getting an Oscar, maybe. Yeah. Um yeah. uh bah, 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 it's they giving did. it's giving Angela Lansbury uh seeing seeing lucille ball in the wings and being like oh my god God. that was horrifying (laughs) the dread you're in the middle of a scene you glance off stage and you see lucille ball with a fucking pen and paper out and you're like well fuck anytime i'm in a performance now i'm always gonna have eyes out for lucille ball yeah (laughs) she She might be taking notes you You never never know know. she's always right around that corner (laughs) uh so yeah, Julie Stein conducts the overture in the beginning, um, but they did truncate the overture from five minutes down to two. Thank they knew, you. Because they knew Molly Matine. They knew Molly, Molly would be watching. One day. One day. Yeah, 2023, Molly would, Molly would be watching I was going to say, this. this wasn't too bad of an overture, actually, and that's why. <laughs> that's the, now we know why. Well, it is also, not, I mean, like, on one hand, it's it's so different from most overtures because you actually, like, see the pit. Like, you can actually mm-hmm. see them playing, which is, like, really it, cool. Which goes into, like, overtures are, to me, effective when you're kind of, like, seeing how how talented the, the orchestra hearing the live yeah. music in the room. Yeah. Yeah. I will say also the funny thing is that one of my favorite bands, AJR, cause they have some musical theater influences sometimes d- does overtures for their albums. And it's like often my favorite song on the whole album is the overture. You're so, so annoying. <laughs> Just a quirky girl. I don't know what to tell so, you. Quirk. <laughs> I guess it is all context dependent on whether or not mm. I can vibe with an overture. Yeah. Carousel. No. AJR. Yeah. 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 And um, in the, the the one big change that I saw from uh, f- stage to screen is June in the film elopes with Jerry, but in the musical she elopes with Tulsa, which is the one that Louise has the dance with. I was wondering why they didn't have her elope with Tulsa when I watched the movie. <laughs> yeah, it was weird, and like, there's no nobody seems to have like a good understanding of what the reasoning would have been, other than like this guy got an extra scene. Yeah, because he makes that comment that's like, yeah, I'm so excited. June will be my partner for this dance or whatever. Yeah. It's in the same scene, but maybe that could have been said at the end of the dance. And then like 
makes sense that they disappear the next time we see them, like at the train station. Right. Or and doesn't it, isn't it more dramatically resonant if Louise has unrequited love for the man that the, her sister ends her up sister, marrying? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like this guy, he doesn't like Louise back. And then her sister marries somebody unrelated. Like, why not just put the why sisters take, together and yeah. make it more? Her, yeah. Her sister, hurtful. her sister June marries someone at the age of 13, allegedly in Texas. I don't know why you said allegedly. It's it's a fictional story. <laughs> allegedly. We're not getting into legal trouble for any of this. <laughs> They're coming for us. They're listening. That is all Lucille I want to Paul in the corner right yeah. down. <laughs> She's over in the corner taking notes with her little pad and paper. <laughs> um Okay, that's all I have on the background. We are now going to go into the topic at hand, Romani. I have so much to say about this. And I, I the worst I thing is tell. that I have no idea if the film is good. Okay. I think the musical is so strong on its own that I think it's pulling the film to where I think it's good. But I don't know if as a movie, if I'm like, this was effective. I think there are definitely choices that I hated. Like I hate the voiceover in this film. It is so bad. It's such a bad decision. It's so lazy. I hated it. Um, I think like some it of... It felt just like mismatched with the actual book. Yeah. Like th- it felt just like filler to kind of fill in that transition when like she's just explaining things that we're visually seeing. Yeah. You know. I think some of the performances, I wish there was like a little bit more of a distinction between their onstage persona and their offstage, like how big they are in a vaudeville Mm. setting versus like I felt like some of the interior scenes that are supposed to be really dramatic were like overacted. So I felt like there was like a blurring of like, but maybe that's also intentional. I don't know. I I didn't think it was, but maybe it was. Um, But the film I think is like, it does a, solid job at like doing the musical but i think the musical itself is so strong from like a purely like character arc perspective for like multiple character like Mm -hmm. multiple characters have actual genuine arcs throughout this whole thing and it's not Mm -hmm. just like the one protagonist or whatever um i think the songs are good too but um yeah i just like i i we ended the movie last night and i spent like 10 minutes just like furiously typing because i was like there were so many things especially in that last like 15 minutes that i i was just like there are so many themes there are so many themes yeah and women Women. (laughs) um that's my general take yeah that that's your overall take do you feel like you need to say whether or not it's a good movie because of the fact that we have a podcast about it or is that something you feel like anytime you watch a movie you feel this need to like be able to say at the end, this was, this was a good movie or not a good movie. I, I, I don't even, I, I would say it's, I say it's a good movie for the podcast, but in actuality, what my brain does is like, would I ever watch this movie musical again? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I would, but I don't think it's like the musical's fault that I wouldn't. I think it's like, I don't think it's like that strong of a movie. Wow. I think it's like not super directed. Like really, I don't think it has like a strong point of view directorially. Um, I think like there are aspects of it that are really good. And I do think like they're good performances turned in, mm-hmm. but on the whole, I just was like, I think the pacing's weird. Um, but I think that's I, also like a story thing in general. I disagree 
so strongly with what you've just said. <gasps> wow. <laughs> I thought it was so good to the extent that I was thinking about how this should be one of the first things you introduce someone to if they don't know about <gasps> musicals and they you want to get them into musicals. Wow. It, and you know what? This is, I don't want to spoil it, but this is the debate on letterbox.com. Is, is you have either people being like, this is perfect cinema. Rosalind Russell turns in one of her greatest performances of all time in this film. Which, yeah. Or you have people being like, I slept through the first two thirds of this movie because the plot doesn't happen until the last half hour, <laughs> which is fair. <laughs> but it's not a movie. That's what's crazy is this is this musical itself is not about a plot. Yeah. No. It's, it's purely about a It is a character based. Yeah. Show a study. I mean, maybe so. Maybe if I had watched it and I didn't know that what it's about is about Louise turning into blank Rosalie, mm -hmm. that maybe then I wouldn't have the thing that was pulling me forward. But you I, were, were you looking to see like how she ends up exactly like I was that watching star? Watching it through that lens because I was like, yeah. I know that it's about her mom being too big as a stage mom, mm -hmm. and it's about the the lesser talented daughter becoming the one who becomes famous. Mm -hmm. And I was really curious about like, how does the turn happen? What is, especially that like, even leading up to like, once they got to the burlesque theater, I was like, when is the moment that she's going to like take on this persona? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like that to me is what was driving it forward. I will say also that when we talked about the amount of music, Mm -hmm. I was kind of surprised. It felt like between the overture and the first song, but like a little bit long. Yes. Like I was, was like, what's the first like, song? Yeah. Like when they first started singing, I had a moment of like, oh, right. Oh, that's right. Well, it's like, musical. of course I knew that, but like I had kind of settled into this as just like a straight, mm -hmm. straight movie or whatever. Do you, do you consider the first time they sing in like when Rose sings, when they're in the house back in Seattle? That's what I'm thinking of i think okay was there another they do, well they do a because they do oh, a the audition. Audition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. but that's what i'm saying yeah. is like this i think this movie is what i agree with you okay i'll let you finish the thought and then i'll say what oh i think that's that's basically it but that i i can see where there are things that might make it hard to get into it when you first start but by by the time we got to rose's turn is the act one finale right that's what that, or uh, everyone's, everyone's coming up roses. Everyone's coming up roses. Yeah, yeah. And the roses turn is the finale. Okay. The end, yeah. So by the time we got to that, I was like, "This is one of the best movies calls I've ever seen." That scene That's, is chilling. Yes. That scene is yes. incredible. Yeah. That scene should be taken out and put in a museum on a loop, so everyone in the world has to see it. Or it's yeah. in this. It should be in the Smithsonian. I'm not even kidding. Honestly, it's so good. They, it's that so scene good. needs to be studied by like every actor that wants to be an actor slash musical theater actor because it's like it's truly like discovery making the decision like fully also there are on, so many like, like good <laughs> blocking choices in that scene there's yeah. so many good like camera angles that like focus between the two mm, mm, good. You, earlier you were like no directorial vision at all <laughs> there are there are times that drag i think her, there is, but i also think there are times where like I I include the doing of the voiceover as one of the directorial choices. Okay. Because the musical does not have I mean it also would fall back on the screenplay as well. But but it felt like a choice that was like I need the audience to be able to catch on what's happening. It's so weird because they don't elude Okay, the voiceover really bothered me. Okay, let me say I have to go back. <laughs> I agree with Molly if you are going to use this as a film to introduce someone to the idea of a musical, a movie musical because of its use of diegetic music. And I think most movie musicals that work for the general public more than just people who like musicals as a concept are the ones where 
it's incorporated. It's, someone's like performing a song yeah. and it like, there's an explanation as to why it's happening. Um, and so from that regard, I do think you're right. I think it's the only thing that would really be hard with like a current audience is just like, it's, it's, it does have the interminable thing that we always talk about, which is the, like, you got to edit this movie just a little, you got to take out those air mm, just a little air. bit. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. take off 10 minutes off this film. We just took the air out of these scenes, but that's, that's just a product of it's the just time. Style, yeah. Um, what are your, what do you think? What did you think about this movie, RJ? Mm. Person I'm looking at next to me <laughs> on a visual media. You know, it's very Anne Margaret, I felt like. I really uh, felt her presence. It was so Fudiger so Arrow. <laughs> um, no, I, okay, I, I hear both sides, okay. Oh, you're gonna, Classic you're gonna RJ, be not gonna Classic take one of the stands. Yeah. gonna be right Joe Biden the over here. <laughs> Moderate uh, over here. Jesus, Amy Klobuchar. judge gaze over here. For once, man. <laughs> Have a take. Have a Be take. Be controversial. Say Natalie Wood sucked in this movie. I no. want to hear you say something crazy. No. Um, I think I am leaning more towards that I like this movie, thinking back at it now. Mm-hmm. I do think the... If the voiceovers didn't happen and the air was sucked out a little bit more, I, I think it would be like, yeah, a, a perfect film. I think it, there was just like a... That I think pacing is like the big thing for me, but yeah. I mean, every single performance is so good. Like I didn't yeah. feel like there was a performance, even though, like you said that there was some overacting, I still felt like it was still in the, st- I was more in the camp of like, it's still in the style. You don't know what is an act and what's not because their lives revolve around being an act sometimes like for dainty mm-hmm. June, like her trying to like figure out how she actually sound like, you know, like her voice kind of like wavered as she was like, not being a performer anymore. Like I felt like there was something there like Louis, like I, I just thought it was, I thought the character study of, of each performance was, was what was really pulling me for the whole thing. That even if I'm like, if, even if I didn't know that Louise was going to be a star at the end, I was so still captured by her Nally Wood's performance and the character because she is like, she's trying to make it work. Like she see, like I could tell that she's someone that's like understands what's going on and like what her mom is doing in some level, but like can't quite put it into words just because she has no confidence to kind of see what's actually happening, you know? Yeah. I think it's so interesting that you both mentioned the like air in the movie because I have struggled paying attention to a lot of the movies we've watched recently. Yes. And I watched this at like, it started at like nine. I know you were like, I know. And I did not feel like it dragged at all. Like, I really didn't. I just, I don't know. I mean, I felt like when I saw how long it was, I was like, wow, this is going to be a lot. But I guess maybe because it felt like it built and got more and more interesting as it went along. Even as I was tired, I was like, but I'm so, you're earning every moment of this last 20 minutes. Yeah. My take is that the Rose... Rose is a Greek, like a a Titanic mm. level Greek tragic hero. Tragic hero of like the hubris. You the, the it starts and you know how this is going to end. Girl, like hubris. that first scene, hubris, baby. And it's so good. That's what's so cathartic is watching that final Rose's turn is the realization. Hubris as a drag name, drag king, drag king, hubris. Okay. Um. <laughs> Yeah, Rose's turn at the end is works because you can you see it. You see the train so like long. not stopping, yes. and then it finally crashes. Ugh, yeah. It's so good. 
Um, let's go through. Let's start. Let's start simple. Let's start with June. Okay. June um, is the star. June is, I mean, what some would think of as me, you know, and um, (laughs) as the star of this. I'm a star. Please, I have to say, I think because of the fact that she's called Baby June, and then Mm. there's a movie called Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Jane. I think that there was a period of my life where I wasn't sure if that was a separate thing from this musical. Uh, Like you were like, is that? I, well, and then isn't there also a baby Jane who fell down the well? Was that Jessica? Baby Jessica? That's Jessica. Jessica. Okay. That's baby Jessica. <laughs> baby there was Jessica. a period where I was like the musical gypsy, a child who literally fell down a well and <laughs> thriller from like the 1940s <laughs> might all be the same thing somehow. Yeah. Baby whatever, it's all the same to me, honey. Yeah. <laughs> honey. Honey. Um, baby June is a legend. She is the moment. Nakamana. She is everything. What's, I think what's nice, what's what's really nice about the story, or what's cool, is that it's so focused on June in that first act that, like, you already know, like you said, you already know where Rose is going to end up. You can kind of also feel that thing for June too. Like she, she's such a dynamite, and she's putting so Rose is putting so much pressure on their livelihood and how talented she is. So I'm like, obviously this, this is going to come to a point. It's well, a classic like, child star too. Like they get to a point, then they stop and they're like, I have been working as an adult, as a child. And I need to like, yeah, there's the life. two tracks. Either you yeah. like quit while you're ahead or you like become dissolve, dissolve, dissolve into nothing. Yeah. Um, the, the thing I really like is the song. Um, mama. If mama was if, married. if mama was married, because that's the first scene we get where J- you understand that June is as frustrated as Louise. Yeah. To some extent, you've understood that Louise is frustrated up until now, but she's more meek and won't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and from a surface level, you might think like, oh, June loves that she has the attention all the time. But like, I like that. I like that this flips a lot of like what you expect this movie this show to do like yeah like i feel like you would think it would be easy for june to be a brat and she's not a brat in this film yeah or that they hate each other yes but essentially that's what i love is that they don't hate each other i would have liked that a lot less if that's how they did it yes but i think i think that it's easy to feel bad for louise because her mother really doesn't value her yes and it's harder to understand that having the pressure of being the golden child can be its own kind of torture. And so Mm -hmm. I just, I really do appreciate the way that they handled her character. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so well treated. That's kind of crazy. Let's listen to a little bit of If Mama Was Married. If Mama Was Married, we'd live in a house as private as private can be. Just Mama, three ducks, five canaries, a mouse, Two monkeys, one father, six turtles, and me. If Mama was married. If Mama was married, I'd jump in the air and give all my toe shoes to you. I'd get all these hair ribbons out of my hair, and once and for all, I'd get Mama out too. If Mama was married. Dinty June in the revival was played by, I don't remember her name, but she also played um, the, she was also in the A Little Night Music. Um, she played the maid, the lusty maid, Leanne Larkin. She was very good. Lady Larkin from 
Once Upon a Mattress, mattress, which was also the same year as Gypsy and The Sound of Music. Really? Wow, those all feel so different from each other. Mary Martin, Ethel Merman, and... um, Carol Julie Burnett. Andrews? Oh, Carol okay. Burnett were all were all on Broadway oh, together. Man, Three wow. leading ladies. I thought, yeah, I thought um, you were saying Camelot. No, no, no. Uh, can I ask a question about no. uh, Dainty June that... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I have to go. I'm wheezing. I have to go get my inhaler. Hold on. Oh, okay. Pause. Um, <laughs> what? I asked if I could ask a question about Baby June and then you said yes. no. Yes. Baby Dainty? Baby or Dainty? Baby or Dainty? I- June. I have a question about June, but it's going to skip mm-hmm. ahead to the end. Great. Does we're, it we're jumping, you? We're, we're jumping around. We're jumping around. Character. We're doing character yeah. based. Okay. Yeah. Does it bother you at all that Gypsy, sorry, everyone, blank Rosalie, um, Louise, doesn't ever contact her sister again? I always took it as that June was like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be in in the industry anymore. Like I just am happy being um, a single, uh, not a single, but a, um, a wife with her kids living in a farm or whatever it is. It seems to me. So, so the, the, like the big events of the musical in a lot of ways is when June decides to elope and yes. leave. And I understand that Rose feels very betrayed by this. And I totally believe as a character that Rose would say, that's it. She's done, like Rose would off. never talk to June again. Yeah. Totally see why that would not see it like it's reasonable, but see it like makes sense for the character. Yeah. But as we were saying, Louise and June have a pretty close relationship. And it seems odd to me. It makes sense to me that when Louise is first turned into the golden child to replace June, that Louise would continue to not contact her as that's like clearly what her mother would want. Mm-hmm. But it seems like the story is that then when she adopts the new persona and becomes famous and successful, that then Louise is able to like take so much more agency for herself. And it feels like by the end, she should have done the work of going out and finding her sister because it, it feels to me like that would be what Louise would really want would be to maintain a relationship with June. Well, and it bothers me that it never intact. comes up. I I like that June just like goes away because I yeah. think the the show is so strong because it starts with Louise being nothing. Yeah. That and you it is all about June at the beginning. Like the first half of the show is like the June show and then she just like disappears. I'm sure I don't know what happened in real life. I'm sure they probably had a final relationship or whatever. Yes. Um yeah. And June actually was in many many films and tv she started in like 1942 and worked all the way until 1990 she was in six episodes of general hospital oh wow um and so she had like a career she has a star on the hollywood walk of fame um Hmm. you don't really need to do much to get one of those but um (laughs) why are you dragging this dead woman adam someone has to nominate you right like yeah i think you also have to pay like a lot of money yeah it's it's more maybe it's more like yeah it's more like the 30 the forbes 30 by 30 list where it you just pay to get in it like it's not an actual like meritocracy of any kind um and again why am i why am i dragging this dead woman through the mud um jesus i i like that she's i like that it does not go back to that relationship because Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know why for me it felt uh, the story that they are telling about june it made sense to me that she wanted to like not be contacted anymore. Like she wanted to be on her own 
away from the family. Mm, that's interesting. So you're saying you think it's more of a Louis respecting June's wishes than it is yeah. anything else. I mean, I wouldn't want like a whole scene of them reuniting or anything like that. I think it's even I just a good line. But it's yeah, it's good that the the plot streamlines and it's just more and more focused just on Louise and Rose. And mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. But I feel almost like I just wish that there were a line in like the last scene when she talks to her mother that mm-hmm. she's like, and I talked I to called, June on the phone yeah. the other day mm-hmm. or something like that, that just indicates like, Hey, one way that I'm gaining independence from you is like, I'm talking to June and you, you don't get to have an opinion about it. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah, it's very interesting. I like, I really like, yeah, I like what they do with June's character. I like that she, um, I like her relationship with Louise and I like that she leaves. Uh, and like, that's really the, that's like, what's crazy is, is like, that's the inciting incident. Like it's literally yeah, the end, end of, of act, act one, one and it is the inciting incident <laughs> yeah. for the plot of the show. Yeah, it really just builds yeah. tension of like basically the 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 tension between Louise and Rose. It's so funny because the first act really of the musical and by that I just mean everything like pre everything's coming up roses is so standard musical theater silliness. Like the Goldstone song is just like a little farce and like there's like doors closing and blah blah, blah. like it's so yeah. It feels just kind like of scenes normal. Yeah, like scenes from a a crazy life. Like, yeah. That it's feel that's why I mean that's the also the voiceover helps with this but that's that's the part that feels the most like memoiry to me of like I remember this one time where we were in a hotel and it was crazy, um, but I and there was a monkey and there was a why is there a fucking monkey in this movie, um, I don't know I don't know what I was gonna say after that, uh, that maybe so June June is only present for that tenor of the musical right like right june exists only in that more lighthearted, more farcical version of events yeah and then that's when it starts to like get darker and that's when the meat you start to get to the meat on the bone Mm -hmm. um it's such like a cool it's such a cool structured musical because it's it's really like there's so much thought put into how the story has to get told in order for you to get the emotional climax at the end of the show so you have to do this really long build up to it. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. like that. Th- I The other thing I really like, and this is more about Rose, so I probably shouldn't say it yet. But like, I like that she's not a villain. Like, I really mm-hmm. like that as horrible as a mom, I would think she is. And I would it would be a full nightmare to be her child. She's not like an inherently evil person. Like, mm. you can just you can just see there's so many things where it's like, and I think there are so many choices that Rosalind Russell makes in this performance where you can see like her even having a conflict within herself of how to proceed with certain moments, um, especially toward the end when she like is making decisions that really lead to her and Herbie's like falling out or whatever. Um, but I, I really like that she is so complex and you, and while you would probably as a real person never make those decisions. You can see why she's making them. And yeah, it's, she's just doing her best. Like she's doing best with the situation that she has. I think this almost like raises a question of like, what is a villain? She is also the heart, maybe not the protagonist, maybe the protagonist. She is a character that we have a lot of 
empathy for that we care about, mm-hmm. but she also makes some villainous decisions, I think. And I right. think, you know, most, you know, road to hell is paved with good intentions. I think most people who yeah, yeah. do evil things have good intentions behind it. I mean, that, that reminds me of like a Greek tragic hero. Like truly you're like, they have done right. like poor decisions that led them to where the situation that, where we could just get to see like them right. have a downfall basically. Yeah. I like that even like I, the other thing I really like the, about the Goldstone scene is that while yes, she says things to Louise that are like unkind and mothers should not say, you never get the sense that she dislikes her children or that she doesn't love them. Like, Oh, you, you may okay. feel differently. Well, I, it's, I guess it's not that I disagree as much as like, I think that that is like a poor measure of her quality as a parent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's cause it's really, it's not about the comments she made. Yes. Yeah, sometimes she says things to Louise. It's like, you know, that she's not talented or beautiful or like anything like that. And, and right. that that's hurtful. And parents should not say that about the children. Yeah. <laughs> People shouldn't say that to children at all. But I think to me, it's more that she has this like inability to like really be empathetic and truly consider the impact of her actions. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, she could say very kind things to her kids all the time and it wouldn't change that core dynamic mm-hmm. of right. not being able to ever consider the idea that maybe her children are their own people with their own opinions and that she should just like stop and consider them for a moment really. And I just think that it's, I don't know. It seems sort of narcissistic, right. Of, um, that she's so like wrapped up in this own, her own reality and her world of what's important and not having empathy for others, especially children to me is like maybe the most villainous thing Mm -hmm. that you can exhibit. And I really would say like, especially talking about the the most amazingly direction scene of all time, the, um, everything's coming up roses scene. Mm -hmm. The way that as she starts to describe what's going to happen, Kirby and Louise clutch each other. It is like, it is like two characters in a horror movie who are seeing the villain, like holding a gun to their head. Like uh, they are horrified by what she's saying. And I just, it's it's just true delusions of grandeur. Like it's It's true delusions. And you can see how everyone around her feels powerless. It's, it's them realizing like this is what's going to happen and that neither of them can do anything has, about yeah the capability yeah. to stand up to her about it's so it. funny because this story seems so small until like gypsy rose lee becomes like a huge performer and then it like feels a bigger but like these moments are so they're just in these like little they're in like a wichita theater like it's nothing right like they're on the vaudeville circuit as the as vaudeville is dying like no one cares about them whatsoever but everything is so heightened to such an extent like these huge feelings are like that's what feels like almost operatic about how big this musical feels even though it is telling such a small Mm -hmm. small story of like a little just one little vaudeville act that really doesn't mean anything at the end of the day but like you put your everything into it and then it that's all you have to cling on to as like your output and the way you see your own success in like the world. Um, maybe, maybe we are talking about this from a June and then let's talk about everything's coming at Roses, And then that opens up yeah, yeah, to Herbie Louise and, and Rose. Can we talk about quickly? I wanted to say the other thing that I love about everything's coming up Roses too, is she starts the song by singing it to Louise and then the blocking 
moves her out. So then she's just like singing to herself. Yeah. Like there's also not an audience. Fine. Whatever. She's singing to the camera. But like in in the reality of the situation, she is just like talking to herself. She's convincing herself. She's convincing herself of this. Like everything's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And I'm going to figure it out. And it's going to be fine. And that blocking also, I was like, oh, because they they purposefully put louise like louise's back to the camera at first so she is like you understand she is tell. it starts out by being like it's okay louise we're gonna be okay yes as if she's saying like louise is the one that's worried that right i need to make louise feel better has been ruined now because june has left right yeah. it's so good oh there were so many of those where i was like <laughs> yeah um okay um do you want to talk what do you sorry my favorite thing about Everything's coming up roses is that it's that that same feeling of dread, like you said, with a horror film, but the, the full clash of that it is a vaudeville song. Like it is do-do-do-do. It's supposed to be upbeat. Her words are literally like coming up roses and daffodils. It's gonna be so hopeful and amazing. And a full gray. Oh yeah, train the, the scenery couldn't be like more desolate. It's yeah. so everything is so somber and and it, sad and and like just like foreshadowing that it's gonna be treacherous for them. It also has the our favorite like movie musical thing where it looks like it's a soundstage. Like, oh, like, absolutely! They oh, yeah. are not outside. They no. are no. indoors. Those are painted skies. <laughs> yes, yes, That's yes. So good. Yeah. Um, the but, other thing yeah, I the, thought about too with everything's coming up roses, and this is more like Sondheim being fucking brilliant, which is so stupid. <laughs> everything's coming up roses, plural, but also roses possessive, like. Yes, I think that most people are going to get that. I didn't. I had never. <laughs> I had never thought of that before in my life. I was like, you hadn't even horrifying. made the connection between her name, or you just hadn't thought about the possessive element the possessive of possessive in that song. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. name thing seems pretty easy to pick up on, but yeah, yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Her name is Rose. Her name's Rose, and then there's roses later in the movie <laughs> that Louise gets. Um. That was just, it's so good. Yeah. But just, know. yeah, the disconnect in the scene between the stark landscape, the actual bad element of their situation, and the reactions of the people around her with her attitude and the musical, what the music yeah. is suggesting should be the mood is, I mean, it's peak musical, it's peak storytelling and musical theater. Yeah, I feel absolutely. like it's mm-hmm. using, using every element of the drama uh, or every element available to you to tell the story through a musical medium coming mm-hmm. together to like mm-hmm. create this amazing discord. Yeah. yeah. And I think this ends up being to me, like I took it away as like throughout the story, the music is set in like very vaudevillian, very simple like melodies, but Stephen Sondheim's lyrics just kind of fully expressing Elevate. what people are thinking, what yes. the situation is in their own terms, would just so laden in subtext that yeah, it truly elevates the whole like musicality of the, of the show. You'll be swell, you'll be great. Gonna have the whole world on a plate. Starting here, starting now. Honey, everything's coming up roses. Clear the decks, clear the tracks. You got nothing to do but relax. Blow a kiss, take a bow. Honey, everything's coming up roses. Now's 
Yeah, the the everything's coming up Rosa scene is like a pure triumph. Like it's yeah. Oh, it's so I, we're not I, and we're not like discovering this. We know that this is right, like right, a right, very right. well known scene. We're just just to clarify, but it like just fully like we're like, yep, here's the proof. Like you just it's I don't know proof. if anybody's seen this movie, Molly. I'm worried people don't know about this. <laughs> Y'all, you gotta check it out. Um I also love just in this like talking about how the perfect the scene is, I love how it's written in such a classic, like dramatic way of like there are such clear moments of choice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yes. like it's this it's to some extent, I think it's June and the agent wanting her to stay and become a Broadway actress and being told no. And so, I mean, that it's sort of, yes. that sort of incites it, right. Seeds. And then June decides to go get married instead of pursuing it. Right. But like, uh, and then it's later when, um, Louise is offered or not offered when Rose overhears mm-hmm. that there is a, an opening for a lead stripping role the decision being i mean it's so classic Mm -hmm. everything leads to this moment and what's the choice that the character is going to make and everything that we've seen in the character tells us why they make the choice that they do right yes that is that is just like good playwriting (laughs) i know i mean yeah you can think about that first act really is it has that mini arc because that realization when Dainty June is going to get a contract and like fully um, she doesn't want it. Like Rose doesn't want it, like has fully made June and Louise truly question like, well, what are you doing this for? Because isn't this the goal for for someone to be a star, for June to be a star? And this is it because even Louise and even Herbie are are both like this was the goal. But because like she isn't going to be a part of it, that truly like ultimate to me ultimately led to to june maybe coming up with that realization that like oh it was never about interest oh wait let's career, let's dive into this you know? what do we think is, or is sorry is rose's true motivation for wanting to turn down the contract for that first contract june? it feels like uh she's not gonna have a like creative control basically of like what the act mm. is see i think the more interesting thing is like well, because it's not even just about vaudeville too. It was like she's going to be an actress in the on Broadway. She's going to be a she's going to be in pictures. Like it's like it was like a talent contract for June. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think it is like her her big her biggest fear, and this is why she lashes out at the end is is feeling as though she is she takes feeling unneeded as mm-hmm. being shut out unloved because of what has happened to her in her past yeah and i think i think it's like kind of an interesting choice some roses make where they they like make it about like she'd always wanted to do this herself i think that's honestly less interesting because like fine and that's to some extent i think valid and textual that she has the like whole roses turn segment where she kind of like reveals that to a little bit but i think moreover it's it is a greater commentary on uh, what I think many mothers, especially in a time when the roles were so static as to what mothers and fathers provided for their children, what happens when your children do not need you anymore? And like, it's, there is no, there was not a understanding of what an, a woman out of motherhood, meaning like, her children had grown up. What what is expected of her? How does she function in society? Especially as like Rose is 
like a, a single woman. Like she doesn't have, she's not going to go take care of her husband. She doesn't have a husband to take care of, which I think and is pretty like, actively is choosing that. Yes, throughout yes. This, like, yeah. The option to do that and be and and have that purpose. She actively does not want. Yeah. And yeah. I think the reason I said earlier, I was looking up something before we started. So the feminine mystique, I looked up what year it comes out and that comes out mm. in 1963, which is a year after this film. So it doesn't really, they're not really in, talks with each other but there is like that i think that realization during the 60s early 60s after the 50s like we came back from the war and now everybody's gone back to their perfect little lives of like what do these perfect little lives mean once they stop being perfect anymore which is i think like the 60s are such a great time for i mean a shit ton of stuff but like specifically like the grappling that a lot of like playwrights and media forms had with like a different variations of what the American dream was. Yeah. And I think this fits beautifully into that conversation, even though most people, I think really just think of this so quickly pass this off as being like, Oh, it's just like that stage mom musical. And it's like, it, it is so much bigger than that. Like it really yeah. is like about huge themes that are like, I don't know. They feel gargantuan. I mean, we've had like the term stage. Ma- I looked it up. The church stage mother was like originated in the 30s so it's like been around like the idea of this role has been around for like a lot longer than this film even exists and it it exists to this day i mean the fact that there was like dance moms was its own like show for however many years and it was called dance moms like it wasn't Mm -hmm. even like about About the the dancers it was about the mothers being crazy yeah i i'm gonna reveal my lack of knowledge about feminism for a second which is very funny that before this podcast uh, Adam made a joke about me <laughs> bringing in knowledge about feminism. And I was like, I don't need research for it, but I'm going to reveal my lack of knowledge. So the feminine mystique yeah. is about what? Great question. I've obviously <laughs> have heard of it before, but I wanted to comment on it. And then I had a moment of like, wait, is that what feminine is mystique that, is, is actually about? One? Let's like, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. fact trick ourselves for a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Betty for I, Dan. I know it's Betty for Dan. Sorry, I should really. Iconic for Dan. ba ba da ba 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 let me just find a quick poll quote. Fulfillment as a woman had only one definition for American women after 1949, the housewife mother. And this was the book that challenged that white. Adam, family. like during, I think it was during Rose's turn. That's when he had the realization in the movie of like, it's like putting a spotlight on, on a woman at this time and being like, what do you actually want? Like, what are your hopes and dreams? Mm, you know, and it's that, that's kind of like a, a yeah. Hollywood version of it. But, and yeah. I think also, this is where I'm wondering about the word mystique. Is, is there not an element about like sex in the book? Yeah. Is there like sexual and, liberation? And well, deriving there's... power from being viewed sexually? So chapter 13, uh, Friedan uh-huh. discusses the psychologist Adam, Ab- I'm sorry, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs and notes that women have been trapped at the basic psychological level expected to find their identity through their sexual role alone. Friedan says that women need meaningful work just as men to do, do to achieve self-actualization, the highest level on the hierarchy of needs. Um, Ferdinand notes that many housewives have sought fulfillment in sex, unable to find it in housework and children. She notes that sex cannot fulfill all of a woman's need, all of a person's needs, and that attempts to do so often drive married women to have affairs or drive their husbands away as they become obsessed with sex. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the thing uh, of like not having it. You you keep thinking that that is the one thing that you need to. Yeah, 
get. Well, I just, I mean, one, I'm learning, I should actually read the feminine mystique or at least familiarize myself more with it. It's one of those well, books we'll that's kind of like, well, I know about it. Cause it's like in culture, but like, yeah, I don't yeah, really yeah. know our, what's actually in it. <laughs> our follow-up reading is the G, the G string. <laughs> we love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm reading mystique. that first for sure. No, I'm just <laughs> anticipating that my mom's going to text me when this comes out to be like, I can't believe. I can't don't believe. Don't have any idea what's in the feminine mystique. <laughs> we should do, just, we should do a three-part book series. We read yeah. G string murders. We okay. read feminine mystique and Simone yeah. de Beauvoir's The Second sex we okay. read all three of those yeah, yeah, and we yeah. really get an understanding really of get women it. we really get women. in women. it um <laughs> i just i just wanted the reason i i took us on this whole tangent of trying to quickly wikipedia what's in feminine mystique <laughs> is that i think it's interesting too that this musical in some ways revolves around sexual power right like mm-hmm. deriving your power from that but also that it's about ultimately withholding that power. I mean, that is like, yeah, uh, the, the, the power as strippers, like yeah, whole, the power of that burlesque. Yeah, that that's the whole power of the burlesque and the fact that like the big thing is that she never actually takes off her clothes. Right. Um, and so I think it's interesting to think about what is Rose's relationship with that, and we learned so much about her attitude about it when they first arrive at the burlesque theater, and it, there's mm-hmm. all of this language about she's a lady and we're not here to do that mm-hmm. and all of this stuff. Right. And so it Rose is so interesting in that she has rejected the idea of like having a husband. She has this guy that's around the whole musical. She will not marry this man. Mm-hmm. Um, she's had three husbands before. She's still not interested in that, but also rejects with that. Maybe, maybe she feels like they have to go together, rejects any sort of like sexualization of her, person and of her daughters and that like that is and there's such clear status associated with that to her of the the language of like a lady yeah is I so mean, status-based even with specifically her role and status like she I thought it was so clever like in the beginning when she had like every fraternal fraternity badge every like male group like she was an elk she was a whatever like she had all of these badges to get ahead and get all of the one of the great one of the great con artists of the American stage yeah mm-hmm. we've talked about this before it's a, it's a theme it's a we theme love musical theater. oh that's true yeah. yeah I mean yeah and it's interesting that they're all things that only men can yes, have. so only- she has to say my, my dad yeah is, my dad all of yeah. these things right um yeah, it's very interesting. And now I'm realizing that I asked a discussion question a long time ago about why does she reject June's contract? And I'm trying to figure out if I can bring it back. Bring it back that to point. that. But I think mm-hmm. I think it's interesting the protection. Let's let's we're gonna bring it around yeah. this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The protection of her daughters that she is so controlling, but she's also very protective. And I think mm-hmm. again with the like flawed thinking of a I think kind of evil character is mm-hmm. that she sees her production as necessary in this industry. And I'm sure she was. It wasn't, it wasn't when they showed up at the burlesque theater that she first had the thought of like, oh, someone might try to exploit my daughters yeah. um, in the entertainment industry. And yeah, she's doing, the she's exploiting. doing the exploiting. Yeah, she's doing, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be the one doing the exploiting. Thank you. Um, she does have this line in the scene where she rejects June's contract of like leaving her daughter that, that basically they're saying like, she's going to come be a star and you're going to not be involved. And she's like, she's a child basically. And I'm not going to like leave her in your care. Um, which made, which one made me think of, did you guys watch the HBO documentary about Michael Jackson? No, 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 no we haven't. <sighs> it's, it's like focuses on two survivors of his, um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a way to skirt around it, but I, pedophilia. Um, yeah. and, 
the it's really interesting the interviews with the moms because they both <sighs> like left their children alone in situations with this pop star and right. the way that they try to explain their behavior it's it's really fascinating yeah. um mm-hmm. there's like i'm not saying there's no self-criticism but there's like it's interesting especially there's one mom where it's like she will kind of admit what she did wrong and then she'll like pick the smallest thing somebody else did and get so mad about it and it's like it feels like it feels you're like you're projecting there of like yeah. well i did all this stuff but like someone else did something also bad um Oof. anyway so the idea of leaving your child that was what i that's like where my brain went instead yeah. leaving my child. And I think it's interesting in terms of how betrayed she feels by June that then June decided to to do this step that and like the beginning of the scene when when Rose won't even say anything focuses on um Herbie like trying to go up get the police because a 13-year-old has gone and gotten mm-hmm. married. And so you're sort of like the the writers of the story are reminding you she's so young and she's gone off and left her mother. Okay, so, so this is this really is what I we, wanna, we had okay. a different not a different take, but we were interpreting it as Rose, are they actually the age that Herbie thinks they are? Because Rose the entire time is like their she's, baby. She's, she's baby. been ten. She's had she's three ten him. year old yeah. birthdays. Yes, yeah. and this entire scene only refers to June as baby. Like, where's the baby? And she like, says, "Where's the baby?" And that's when Adam First and I all, were like, oh my God. Dark, this, yeah. insidious. Yeah. <laughs> all in the everything's time Rose's scene that was like, it's already like laying the foundation yeah. that like yeah. she has built this. And so you don't, it's unreliable now. You don't really know what's the truth anymore. And um, it feels more like a, not a betrayal, but. This, this scene also, I can't believe we're going back to this. Back to fucking, everything's coming, everything's coming, everything is coming back. This to also feels very. This scene also feels extremely Greek to me where everything takes place off stage and then they come on and they're like, mm, they yes. left, they all left. We're left alone. Mm-hmm. Something happened off stage that we will never see. And now we are dealt with the repercussions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, we came off of it being like, has she been lying about the age the entire time? Because it's part of the act. So like, even in the real life, that was, I did want, she, I wish even the movie, boys, she was like, they're just boys and they're clearly men. I wish but, this yeah. movie did have more clarity on like what the timeline actually is. No, Cause but I, I think, because with yeah. Natalie Wood playing like the dainty version of Louise into the like adult, adult version, yeah. I was yeah. like, how old are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I do think, though, I think that there's power in the ambiguity of their ages. And we know yeah. how much these, especially with Louise, because she has the like little lamb song and everything that like mm-hmm. it's so clear that she is. I mean, like I was wondering in that scene if if she turned 18 and her mom was like, I'm not there's no way that we're going to we're going to treat you like you could ever be an adult. Right. And so. I think actually what I'm saying though about feeling this anxiety about leaving your child, I'm guessing in Rose's mind, she's 13. Like even if yes. she's not, yeah. I think kind of what I'm saying <laughs> remains as true as ever because yeah. of the fact that I'm talking about Rose's motivations exclusively and right, not right, whether right. or not June actually can get married. Um, I mean, apparently the state of, was it Texas? Texas yeah. Fine, 13 year olds getting married. That's probably still true. Um, so Ugh. yeah, I thought that that was no abortions though. No abortions. Mm-hmm. No, 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 we're all wagging, wagging our fingers. Just everybody wagging, knows because we're yeah. Oh my gosh. Beeps. Oh my gosh, I gotta put something in my bag. Um. <laughs> so I thought that that was part of her motivation for saying mm-hmm. no to the contract is that I think she has a genuine. I think she loves her children, and I think yeah. so she has a genuine need to protect them, and she feels like she can't. Um, 
give the control for that reason. I also do think she is very stuck in vaudeville. She <laughs> references it. This is not, this is not like a hard, hard textual reading that I've done. This is, this is yeah. pretty clearly. Pretty surface level. You watched yeah, the movie once. Level. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's also interesting that it almost feels like she feels betrayed of the idea that her daughter would succeed in any other Mm-hmm. any other realm right mm-hmm. and that to me is very about where i feel like it's her own dreams of like no she wanted to be a vaudeville star. star yeah so she has to be a vaudeville star can we talk about the other thing that we are all dancing around but not talking about <laughs> okay which is the fleetingness of time so oh, it wow. comes back as age but it comes back through like vaudeville dying like fully yeah. in art form has like peaked and then been defeated in the time that they have like defeated, this movie yeah. plays out yeah um i would say that vaudeville ends up coming back in the 60s and 70s as variety shows on tv that's my hot mm. take but um and then just like the idea of it goes back into like the whole aging like mom thing of like what do you do when you when you have nothing and by that i mean yeah what society has told you you're supposed to have and then you don't have it anymore and i assume that june sorry not june that rose feels like maybe her life got cut short by having kids i don't think that's ever in the text but that's just like such a common part of characters like this and so yeah. it's it's i think that often with at least the stage bomb character i'm not trying to comment on any real people but like it's often uh my dreams didn't get accomplished and i feel like it's often because i decided to be a mom instead Mm -hmm. that your kid is like a start over reset your life fix everything that was wrong with your life by having your kid accomplish your dreams and so i think the fact that that rose feels so struck in vaudeville is very reflective of the fact that her dreams for her kids are exclusively coming from her own Mm -hmm. perception and mind and not in any way informed by her children yeah I do think too that that entire situation of like the chaste kind of like clean view that Rose quote unquote has of like everything where like everything's squeaky clean married or like juxtaposed by um, Louise like entering the world of burlesque. I think that's also super interesting because it is. No, is, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't have a it's, take at the okay. end. I realized I just was like, that's also it. Well, I don't know if we want to jump into that already. Uh, to, to the, to I think Louise. it might be time. Fascinatingly, I have nothing to say about Herbie in this film. Yeah, I, it, it, I think we've already said what his purpose is, is that he is kind of representing what she should be fine with or what she should be looking for. Right. Yeah, he's around there trying to be a good man, trying to be a good father figure. She yeah. won't marry him. And he is, he feels powerless to like truly stand up to her. And that that is unfortunate because she like brings people into her. Again, I feel like very narcissistic, like kind of power dynamic that mm-hmm. like he, he isn't able to really truly challenge her on anything. And that that is probably why she's cool with having him around is because he doesn't really challenge her. And so I find Herbie, I find Herbie a little bit frustrating and that he, is trying hard to he's in so many ways, like trying to do what's best for the girls, but like ultimately isn't useful to them at all. And mm-hmm. so I like, I feel like there's like a, an instinct. Cause he's like such a nice guy to like give him a pat on the back for what he tries to do. But like, he could try a little harder. <laughs> I mean, he is like the, the prototype for self, Mr. Cellophane. Yeah. Fucking yeah. 
Chicago. There's a, he he's not like really. I mean, you, there is a relationship you could say that like gets formed with Louise and Herbie. I think, but just more of like that we're in this together, trying to like get rose out of this world because you know the moments that they have together of like yeah like i can you know go to school like yeah but like herbie books them the gigs i just thought about the sorry i just thought about the fact that once upon a mattress is also playing the same season which is about a domineering mother who takes care of her like child and a very like like, quiet father figure at least so you know pre now we know why Sorry. betty wrote, betty for wrote the book she went to two shows she on broadway, two shows on broadway. <laughs> she was like oh, jesus Eureka. this is a mess yeah <laughs> women um yeah that was kind of just how i felt about um herbie and and louise and also like rose yeah like used him basically for all of his contacts essentially with the op- empty promises that like yes this will be you know we just gotta get to the next gig or whatever and then that'll be the last one but obviously it never pans out to marriage okay louise sing out louise um so iconic also that like i knew that i knew on sub level that that's where this movie that that's where that line was from sing out louise but like mm-hmm. such a part of gay culture that i like kind of had forgotten that it was yes. even it had an origin point at all the other line that i forgot that's from this is i'm a pretty girl mama <gasps> yeah she said it and i was like oh my god uh, that is like the that is the Hello, gorgeous of this yeah. film that is yeah. like quoted so much. Yeah. Well, same, same, same dude. Right? Mm-hmm. Julie Sine? Oh, Julie Sine. Uh, no, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Julie Sine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, um, do we want to, I mean, I just want to talk about the scene when they're at the burlesque theater. I, do we want to talk about Louise before that? Like, she just is. Well, struggles. I mean, should we talk about these three amazing burlesque performers? that us the three of us us. i told adam when we finally go on our show gaze when we have our live show this would be the number that we prepare molly as our italian correspondent is the gladiator Yes. The Roman. Oh, okay. It'll be the mm-hmm. Roman. Um, I am Christmas. RJ's Christmas tree, mm-hmm. and I'm obviously the the pretty one. <laughs> the okay. ballerina. Oh. The ballerina. Oh, well. Listeners, write in, and especially those who've never met us and have only heard our <laughs> voices. Seen us, yeah. yes. People who and like, let us know who you think the pretty one is. <laughs> truly, just know us from audio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm trying to get back to that connect, but I can't remember now. I lost it. I have so many notes. So maybe something will tick tick your little memory. But it was it was something about Rose, obviously, and Louise. Rose? Um Louise. So before let's a brief A brief history of Louise. Yeah. The song the song I do want to play a little bit of um is Little Lamb. Which I think is a very sweet song. Um, and really gives you there's almost like this well here's the song little fish little fish do you think I'll get my wish little lamb little lamb I wonder how old I am I wonder how old I am Little lamb 
there's a little bit with her character where she feels like up until I would say un- until she like does burlesque, she feels like emotionally stunned. No, that's not true. When she finally like stands up for the first time to her mom in the desert. Mm-hmm. That mm. scene. Before then, it feels like she's a little emotionally stunted. Emotionally stunted. Because I'm like, she's being treated like a child this entire time. Yes. She's, yes, she absolutely, I mean, I think you're absolutely supposed to understand that scene. She is older, that she is like old enough to start making a life of her own and sees herself as just a, a small child in a way that's mm-hmm. kind of creepy almost. Yeah. It's actually, and it's so creepy to, to me to this day. You guys know Gypsy Rose Blanchard? The girl yes. with this Munchausen by proxy. We could do the a fact, whole podcast just on this, honestly. I mean, I, I'm sure there are like multi-part podcasts that exist oh, about yes. that. HBO um, too. They have a documentary yeah. too. So. The fact that that woman named her daughter after, after her. this person who like yeah. was infantilized, it's so much. Yeah. It's like it's like she she like had a child with a pre-plan of having Munchausen by proxy. Like what yeah. yes. she watched this movie and was like oh, this is this is great. how to be a mother this is how, it. Can I, how can i go one step further is really what yeah. she said yeah um <laughs> so this like yeah eternal child and i think that really it's it's that she can't even begin a character arc until june is out of the picture because louise sees herself as such a passive background player mm-hmm. like the thought of even like taking up enough space to like have a conversation with her mother i feel like can't it just doesn't even cross her mind she just isn't yeah. in a position to ever like make a decision or have a thought of her own. Cause she's yeah. just so, so much going along with what's happening. Yeah. Cause really that scene in the desert after she says that, and then that's when they book the, the Herbie gets them that burlesque gig. Mm-hmm. When we next see her, she is fully like the touring production manager of, of this troupe. Yeah. She missed, like she, is, she missed a life as a stage manager. She felt very stage manager. Mm-hmm. Energy. Yes, she fully yeah. became like, okay, I'm, I'm I gonna... guess she made it in another thing. I don't know. I think she really <laughs> missed her calling. Um, the thing that I was going to come back to was you were making the comment that it was all about just like trying to get in vaudeville again, because that was the yes. kind of the lost dream that it's interesting that when it was burlesque, it's not like she kind of put, ju- even though she had been passing judgment the entire time, like it ultimately was okay for Louise to do that, to make her a star because the opportunity was to make her a star, despite that, you know, it, it's burlesque or whatever. Would she have let June be a burlesque mm. star? Or is it a thing where she, that's the thing. I think well, it's more okay. about, I think this, uh, the opportunity that she gets at the end became more of an opportunity to kind of like make the star, you know, like she had that like very like troubled genius moment where she was like, Oh, I can do, let me entertain you, but slow it down two times. Like she just had like the, Mm -hmm. that kind of like delusion, the same, the same delusion, but just like with more, you know, tactile because it was an act that was about to happen in a few minutes that felt like, I think this is what she's chasing. Like, I think this thrill that she has, of like, like the moment of of figuring it out and putting yeah. together the star and yeah 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 it makes me That's think of RuPaul. Keeps... <laughs> Do you ever heard RuPaul talk about how like she realized that she was addicted to like the thrill of getting ready really quickly and so like she she used to always run late to things and now once she realized like oh, I'm just addicted to like the adrenaline rush of getting ready on the fly that now she's fully 180 and she likes to get there like four hours ahead of time <laughs> and like have her tea. That's um, the thing. Like, she, that's why I feel like she's always hustling for the next gig because she, you know, like finding like, oh, I can make this work. I can make this connection yeah. work. But it is, but it is also, it is 
It is. They're also in a situation based on their financial, like their financial situation. Like it is this movie. It's not like she's just like the stage mom. It's not like Dance Moms where they're like fully just middle class women who have nothing better to do. Like it, there is an aspect that I do like that they are like poor. They are yeah. not wealthy people in any kind of way. And so to some extent, the reason why she ends up letting them stay in Wichita much even before even before they, she does burlesque. The reason they have to stay is because they have to make money. And there is a, something about like the way that I think. I don't think this movie necessarily like is in conversation with like people turn to different kinds of work for different reasons, specifically mm-hmm. like sex works and things, no. things that are like sex because work. It's obviously. never about that. Like it, right. Yeah. But like, I do think like, it's not, not a part of the story textually yeah. Yeah. that like it is, they need, they need to do something in order to survive. They will not survive if they keep doing this. I think, I think this is a really interesting answer to your question, Adam, about would she have let June do this? Mm-hmm. Because there's really two decisions that happen, right? The first one is when Rose figures out that they're at a burlesque theater. Initially, she says, we're leaving immediately. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she decides to have them stay. The second decision is overhearing the conversation about needing a star. Needing to a star. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted, when you first asked that question of would she have let June this, I wanted to say, oh, maybe she wouldn't have, maybe she would have kept them there as the straight act but not let her become the stripper. But then I realized that the reason that Rose makes the first decision is that mm-hmm. Louise reminds yes. her about the money. Louise I, becomes that like emotionally mature person in this yeah. dynamic. Mm-hmm. That's like, no, we have to stay for the money. Get, and like, I don't know that June would have ever become the person that no, had that conversation. I don't think if so. If she stayed with her mother, maybe June married living her own life. I'm, I'm sure has developed more backbone opinions, practicalities, all that stuff. But like, I think if June had stayed, June would have remained this golden child, remained a person who allows her mother to have this protective sort of like sheen over her. And so I think June would never have developed what Louise did in terms of the taking control of the girls, having a mentality related to money. Right. And I think that only because of the fact that Louise wasn't only the always the golden child, that's the only reason that she's able to develop that um that practicality because i do i think that june if june stayed if nothing happened june stayed and they just became successful i think it would just fast forward to that the end scene where june would be super successful louise would have never like stood up because there wouldn't be a reason for her to stand up for herself. And then it would be Rose being like, well, what do you need? What do you need? And June would be like, I don't need you. Like, I, I can make my own decisions. Louise and wasn't, it ends up being- Louise, Louise wasn't able to fully stand up to her mother in that until she has been successful enough and fully taken herself out of mm. she is owned by her mother. And by that, I mean, like, in every aspect. Like, I think it's like the thing where, like, there are people who give advice for people who are like worried about coming out to maybe like conservative parents where it's like, make sure your entire financial situation is like you are set Mm. to be alone Mm. just in case. And that's when you can do it because like, she wanted to make sure that that she got to that place first before she can like feel. But I think that I like that June, I can't believe we're going back to June. Um, (laughs) Maybe it is about June. We thought it wasn't about June, but now we're discovering it is about June. It's all June. The whole show is June. Just because Because it's June. June. Um, That I can envision, right? This is just me drawing on my own understanding of like people who have had weird relationships with narcissistic parents and stuff like that. But I can envision a situation where June like 
is even more resentful of Rose than Louise is because mm, she yes. she feels like her she could have been she could be like I I lost an entire childhood because my mom like forced me to be the star of the show and like obviously Louise had a similar circumstance but I don't think Lu- I think Louise felt because she like had she the was humbler like, she was like doing something for her sister too yeah. and and like Louise has almost offered this opportunity to like have more of a of a childhood on the side because she's not the focus of the no. right that she has this like really close relationship with the, with the other boys. farmer with the boys yeah. the fact that everybody gets Louise a present oh my god like yes. I, <laughs> I could not you can tell that Louise is such a beloved person and like has close relationships because like mm-hmm. I would I don't feel like I as a child ever had a time where like a bunch of my friends my all came friends up to me, me. I mean they did because it was like birthday parties or whatever but like from the so local five and dime. Yeah. But this, it's not fish. Like, of course I had birthday parties but it was like you know your mom takes you to get the gift yes, before you go yeah, there or whatever yeah. and like yeah, yeah. the idea of like all of them individually remember to get her something like mm-hmm. that's you know? why and I so love has, that it's yeah. Louise's birthday it's not yeah. June's, June's birthday yeah. I love the fact that yeah. they make it I'm sure that's also in the fucking memoir the writing is really good I know it's so good um Wow, no I wonder Rosalind. Yeah, no wonder Rosalind Russell was like, "Who needs to sing? Just yeah. put me in this movie. Just do yeah. this." Um, I mean, it is. It's really good. Art or Adam. To your point mm-hmm. earlier about like the source material is really good. Mm-hmm. All the stuff about the writing is the source material, right? Yeah. So like, right, right, right. yeah. It's even like, tell you if the movie's great, but I think it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I even. I mean, I would. I've. Uh, we've never read the memoir. I. I yeah. will tell you right now. I never will read this memoir, but. <laughs> I, if they're all drawing on these, like, if these are real moments that happen in the course of this memoir, I mean, the fact that you can cultivate this product from a memoir, I feel like says a lot about what the memoir must be because like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, but it has to be, I mean, they have to have done a great job of making it dramatic from, because, because life doesn't happen in these like amazing moments of like everything leads up to it and here's the decision and everything. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure that they were inspired by real things that happened, but like the fact that June remained an actress, like it's clear, clearly it wasn't so sort of like clean break and the way that they set it up to have us ask questions like now what if june had stayed with this would such and such a thing happen to her like that is mm-hmm. really good playwriting when you're able to dissect it in that way yeah. if i feel like i know the characters well enough to be like i think they would be like Here's this yeah. yeah yeah also do you do you see june's leaving as an act of cowardice or an act of like defiance mm, an act of cowardice what would be cowardly about her leaving I don't know. I think it's an act of defiance. I was just choosing oh, the opposite. Okay. The opposite. Oh, okay. I was just trying to name the opposite. <laughs> I think it was really telling that she didn't take the contract. I think that really showed to June that realization that Louise has at the end of like, who is, what was it all for? I think June made that, saw that for her. Yeah. And I was like, well, it was never really about me. So let me just yeah. exit stage now. left. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the Exunt. fact again, <laughs> Pursuit by maybe a bear. it takes some time. <laughs> it takes some time being the golden child to realize that it's not about you because June, June is able to come to the realization quicker. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, I also, what I love about June leaving is even though I just are not just a long time ago, we've been recording for a long time <laughs> earlier in the episode, I said the thing about how Tulsa, so Tulsa is one of the dancers and mm-hmm. he and Louise have this whole scene where he talks about wanting to do a dance with a beautiful girl. And then it's very like, and one day I'll meet a beautiful girl. Like Louise is just clearly being overlooked and she mm-hmm. clearly likes him. Um, even though I said earlier, I think it's a stronger choice to have uh, June go off with him. 
what I do like about the fact that it's like, even a guy that's like, I don't, I couldn't tell you who Jeff is. Is it Jeff? Jerry. 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 Great. Well, yeah, you can tell you tell what a big impression he made on me. <laughs> I can tell you who that is in any of the scenes leading up to it or anything. No. I also love this, that it gives me a sense of like, oh, June has a whole life that's just like not even in the story. Like you yeah. weren't paying close enough attention, but like June has had this whole thing going on. Now, I think you could still have it be Tulsa and have it just be that you never see June and Tulsa have a moment and so it doesn't occur to you. But like I do, I think that it is, I think it's an act of defiance. I think it's potentially something she'll regret. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about it like, and now she's gone off and she's going to have a happy life as a wife and mother and whatever. But like, mm-hmm. she's probably pretty young to get married, even if she's not 13. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, so it's, and it's a pretty rash decision, it seems like. So mm-hmm. maybe she's not gonna be happy. But I think that her intention is definitely defiance. Um, or maybe yeah, more so just like a the first time she's ever made a decision for herself, you know? Yeah. I think it's, I think she makes the same decision that Louise makes at the end of the show, just in her own terms off screen. I'm sorry. I just clicked on June's actual June Havoc's Wikipedia yeah. page. For many years, 1916 was cited as the year of her birth. Havoc acknowledged in her later years that 1912 was likely the correct year. She was reportedly uncertain of the year. Because she, wow, because crazy. Rose forged various birth certificates for the the two daughters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there you go. Wow. Unreliable. That's wild. Okay, Rose. Um, anything else from Louise? Oh. I mean, well, we got it. Yeah. We got to talk. Let me entertain you. I mean, come on. Well, no, I think before we talk about that, we have to talk. So we talked about the decision to let them stay after mm-hmm. Louise says, we need the money. We got to stay. We got to talk about Rose's decision to have Louise take the stripper spot. And I, like, to me, Riley this was like, the, yeah. this was the um, like musical genius moment. Cause she was like, <laughs> but okay. The act was playing. No, no, no. Go, go back, go back, go back. We have to talk about, you got to <laughs> You got to have a little kit. What is it? What the fuck? It's so three. Yeah. Our opening the gimmick. Number. Yeah. You got to have a gimmick because it is in conversation with Tulsa's song where like she she is swept up in this performance of what he is doing. I think in a similar Mm. vein, she is like dazzled by what these ladies are doing. These women are so much more than just what they seem to rose at this point because of like they're they're honestly it's just the simple fact that they're like giving her attention. Mm hmm. And like she's saying been deprived. she's pretty or like she's saying like they're calling her a lady. And yeah. even though they're doing it tongue in cheek because it's a, like it's a joke about like how how Rose, Rose is being insane. Yeah, yeah. Like also like they're treating her like a real person, whereas like no one in her life has treated her like a fucking adult until this point. And it's in such contrast in terms of the content that Tulsa song is all about, like, I have this whole life made and I just need a woman to slot into it. Mm-hmm. And that and that it implies that the thing you have to do is earn the love of the, the man that a would man. put you into that. Mm-hmm. And versus you got to have a gimmick is all you need is just like a good idea, one good idea. And then you could be out there making your own life, right? Yeah. You, yeah. you could be the one that is the star and you don't have to wait for somebody to pick you to be the girl to be in his number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's really important that gimmick is, I mean, it is like a funny song in general. Um, and it's performed yeah. fully very, screamed, very, screamed to all heaven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so good. But, 
I think I was it's, telling- like, it's really cool. I think Natalie would give such a good performance in this yeah. film. Oh, yeah. She's, She's great. so incredible. And this is a year after fucking West Side Story, which is just insane. This is back to back. It is crazy because you made that comment and you were like, it's I'm, it's interesting that she took this role or that she wanted to do this role. And it was like, at first I thought it was more about just, I can play different sides. Like I have a, you know, I'm an actress. I can do the like sadder, dowdier, like, even though they try to make her look homely, but like every it's single Natalie time, Wood. Like, it's Natalie, Natalie Wood. Wood. Gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. But the, the real like rise to her power at the end is so that monologue is so She feels good. still like the same person, even mm-hmm. though she is in a completely different place in her life. And even though we yes. haven't even gotten that many lines from no. her in the film, yeah. she doesn't have that much but to it, say. It's so grounded that like, yes, this is exactly what Louise would be in this situation. Did anyone ever ask Sondheim what he thought of Natalie Wood? Because I realized in the course of watching this movie that she was in two huge movie adaptations of his early. Oh, yeah. His, yeah. his work. Yeah. Early work. I don't know. It's a great question. Yeah. Arjay, do you have your book we do but it's look i made a hat not finishing that. oh so it's his his second half mm. Mm. interesting not the early work but i i mean there was always obviously like sondheim's own uh maternal relationship mm, no he never talks about mothers in sports. i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> no um, no this is new concept for him totally new. <laughs> new new territory uh Okay, yeah, Natalie Wood's gorgeous, amazing. Um, she finds her gimmick. <laughs> she finds her gimmick, which is just well, yeah. well, not really. She she it's not stripping. Yeah, it's it's the tease. It's the tease. It's yeah. putting the yeah. tease back in strip yeah. tea. It's yeah. ultimately what her mother has taught her. Like don't. it's about the act. You we know? haven't. We can't jump ahead to the act. We have to talk about. Yeah, we have the to scene talk about where the Rose decision. Decides. Rose decides yes. to stay. Yes. So, the setup. Yeah. For everyone who hasn't watched the movie, which gosh, at this point, I hope we've convinced you to do so. <laughs> um, Rose is going to marry Herbie. Finally, she's like, given Herbie in. has the roses. Herbie's like, girl, we He's got so a excited. carriage in the back. Mm. We are so excited. They're not roses. It's the nicest thing in Wichita, which is like, mm-hmm. it's like a couple <laughs> daisies. <laughs> Adam can say that because he's from he's from Indiana. Um, so corn stalks. <laughs> So she's going to leave. Louise is going to just like do the regular show as planned or whatever. And then Rose overhears two stagehands talking about the fact that they have a, an open slot for, what do they call it? Like a star stripper? The stars, strip- the, it's like the star slot, like not slot, but like the star something. The, the actual star. term is vedette. That is the official term of the but star they, but in they a burlesque say the performance. Word, yes. I know that they say the word star because I think that that is what. Yeah. It's the star spot, I think. The yeah. star like, spot. Yeah. But it's like a stripping spot versus because yeah. Louise has already er, earlier, there were a few lines available in a non-stripping role. And Rose yes. immediately is like, she'll do it. Ro- Louise yeah. will do it. Louise is not so sure, but Rose puts her in there. And then she hears the word star and sh- and Rose immediately like says tunnel vision. Yeah. She's like, how we're she's gonna do it. Louise is gonna do it. We're gonna figure it out. And oh, it's so good. It's so good because Herbie is so disappointed. (sighs) He's so mad. He he ends up leaving at the end of the scene, Mm -hmm. never to be seen again. No, that's not true. He watches the striptease. Oh, and then there's uh, they cut to him in two shots during the that first awkward strip tease, and he's watching and he's like so horrified that it's happening. Yeah. 
Um, oh, but so I think he's both horrified. He's horrified for Louise. Yes. But he's also so Pissed. upset that Ro- Rose got distracted on their big day that he's finally going to marry her and she can she immediately forgets about it. Yeah. And here is what yeah. I think is interesting about the Herbie Rose element of the scene. Do you think that on some level she does this to get out of marrying Herbie? <gasps> oh. Um, I guess maybe subconsciously, but mm. I I just feel she like this... she knows it's gonna hurt him in this way. Oh yes. yeah, yeah. And she knows it does. That's why she can't face him that whole scene. Yeah, because she says, I mean, it's the same thing. She's like, it'll just be two nights. It's just two nights. She we just need to get to for her to perform the star spot for two nights just so and then she says like this is for Louise Louise can finally have a star spot this is all they wanted is for I don't me know to make them I don't know star. because I think this is I don't agree because I think this is the straw that breaks his back mm-hmm. I think that she, this is so normal for them for her to change their plans for her to. Mm decide on a whim to do something that she is so used to him just being jovial okay. and understanding and dealing that with it dealing with it and falling figuring it out after the fact that when he finally says that's it we're done that's when that is the moment where she turns away and can't look at him anymore because she realizes that she has crossed the line but she doesn't while i do think she i also think she does love herbie i think she loves this drive inside of her and this need for one of her children to be famous more. Mm. That's why I mean, it was telling when they had that one of those first, the first time he went out, she went out with him when she was also, like, this I'm movie, a great mother. This movie did you know? so much for the Chinese food community. Oh my honestly. God. Chow mein's an oh, egg roll. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the, <laughs> what was the re, what was the re? Yeah. There's a lot of references to Chinese food and Rose loving Chinese food. And I feel like maybe there's supposed to be like, it's a, just like a she's insubstan- No, I think it's like a, she's insubstantial kind of a thing is what oh. it's trying to say. Oh. Like cheap and, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm just thinking about the association of Chinese food that Americans have, which are not accurate to mm-hmm. right. the actual country I, of China and the medical. I thought there, about but- it more as like, Every Chinese food in America has the exact same food. So, you know, you're going to get mm. the exact same meal no matter where you go. And because so they the, keep like, going around the country. Around. Yes. Yeah. It's oh. somewhere that still feels familiar because it's always going to look the same. It's always going to look like a Chinese restaurant. It's always going to have the red and the gold. And like, it's always going to have the same menu. So you're it's a way to feel at home, even though they have no home, because that's oh, the reference wow. to being gypsies. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I, that's how I took it. But you, yeah. that's also very interesting what you say about. Because I don't, I don't typically associate. I mean, I under, I know that that is a, you eat it and then you're hungry again a half hour later. But that's like the stereotype. I've, I've, I've never found that to be true. I've, I've, I wish, I wish, I, I was wish hungry. it was true. No, I, I am. You roll me down home yeah. after a meal. But there is a phenomenon. I was, I was watching something interesting about this about how like you, there are fancy versions of almost all cuisine. Like you can get mm. um, Italian, you can get like, you know, cheap slice pizza, mm. but you can go to like a fancy Italian restaurant, but there aren't any fancy Chinese restaurants in the U S because it's so, it's so associated in our culture with like, well, this P. is F. a, a <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Sorry. There's like a ceiling to how much American mm-hmm. consumers will pay for Chinese food because of the way that we view it as this like cheap option. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Okay. Sorry. We got distracted by the Chinese food. So we have, we have two major relationships happening in the scene where Rose decides Louise is going to do it. We have Herbie being totally betrayed. And then mm. we have Louise looking blankly at her mother and then, and then sitting putting down. On the dress. Yeah. Like looking blankly and then just putting walking her hair to the vanity. Up. First of all, putting her hair up perfectly in oh, like yeah. three seconds. I, I was know. like, Natalie, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she actually did that, Adam. No, I, I think know. she might I just, have gone like, on stage. She's necklace, incredible. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, putting on the blue dress. Yeah. So the question, when she makes that first decision of wanting to do it for her mother, do you think she already knew that it would also kind of fulfill something in her that she could be a star for the first time after building up, you know, two weeks, getting these line roles, getting, you know, hearing from the girls about like, you know, being a star or do you think it's like she puts on the dress and that's when it. I don't think that she thinks about herself at all when she decides to do it. Yeah, I don't think I it's think, until the end. I think she until hears... she's famous. Yes, mm. I think the the putting. I think the burlesque is what gives her the confidence to start feeling like okay, her own yeah. self. But because yeah. that's an entire montage sequence, and then we just it's go like into the later, end. Basically. That's when yeah. we like finally see the first version of her that's aware of. I herself. think that she knows the power of the word "star" for her mother, and she she yeah. makes the decision to do it entirely based on what she knows that her mother wants. And my question is um, a really good one. And I immediately forgot what it was. <laughs> oh, do you think on some level when Louise tells her mom that they should stay, do you think there's also a, any part of her who knows that this might be the, the end point? I think, I think a little bit there is because I think, I think Louise knows that this is the closest thing that she'll ever get to like her actually getting what she's been working for all this time. Uh, so I think she, there is a bit for Louise, like this will finally like make her happy. Like this is it. This is the answer. There's something about Louise's reaction where she is just so still and then slowly gets up and goes to the dressing room. Yeah. Um, that I think on some level, I was like, she's not shocked that this happened. There's something right. about it where oh. she felt. She, she, I don't think she let herself truly believe that her mom was going to get married Settle. to Kirby that day. Because if it wasn't this evening, mm-hmm. it would have been the next morning where she would be like, hey, I just heard a hot tip that we can take the girls here or whatever. Yeah, because just because they had gotten married, that doesn't even mean that. They would. They had to then go like live on a farm in Seattle or whatever. Like, no, he's gonna be selling candy. They can live wherever. Right. right. Yeah, there is a thing in um, old movies that like marriage means a, a absolute one eighty in lifestyle in a way that just does not really compute to houses anywhere. Well, nowadays. okay. Also, there's a line that Herbie has in the scene where he's like, "I just, I think he just says, I just wanted you to be my wife.'" And I was like, see, Herbie, I was on your side until we were just like, <laughs> it drew it down to that yeah. one sentence, but okay. Yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, I think that Louise like is, is open. I think what you said earlier about like that she's totally taken in with the burlesque dancers who do the number for her, that she tells her mother to stay. Like, I don't think RJ is still that it's for her. Mm-hmm. I don't think she thinks that it's going to give her something, but I think that she becomes more and more open to like the environment of where she is and that she on some level knows, even when she first tells her mom, like we need the paycheck that like 
there's a possibility that the paycheck is eventually going to come from the burlesque part of the burlesque. Yeah. Well, and also I think there's a very common thing that happens in oldest children, especially oldest daughters, where they take on some mothering responsibility. And that's why mm-hmm. I really like that scene uh, before Mama... Mama, if mom was married. If mom was married, sorry, thank you. Where she is like taking care of June, June. and J- that's when she realizes that June is like just as unhappy. Frustrated as she is. Yeah. Um, and I think to some extent she is helping take care of Rose in these scenes in Wichita where she's like trying to make everything better. Um, I also think there's a, a level with Rose too with the mayor going back to the Herbie of it all where like she is she has fully embraced this identity of who she is as like I don't think she would call herself like dominant overbearing mother but like that's what she is and Mm -hmm. that's I think she's proud of the fact that she's able to get things done and I think the what really scares her with Herbie is the idea of like leaving it all behind and then who is she if she just becomes like a wife and like goes and lives and does nothing anymore like who who does she become who is rose at that point because that's not that's not a person she knows and look i do think rose is basically a villain but i don't want that for her still right no that i think that's the thing is like you no one should be stuck with that choice that shouldn't be like it's this or that yeah 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 and that's the feminine mystique baby and honey that's (laughs) what betty for dan said Yes. Okay. So can we talk about the fucking burlesque now, Molly? Fine, we talk about it now. (laughs) It was great. It was a good scene. It was really good. Um, No, so I'll play a little bit of the slow version of Let Me Entertain You. Um, I love that as the scene, as the montage progresses, the costumes get more and more beautiful. And like, you can tell simply by the costumes that she's like making money and doing super well. They do allude to it also in the intros for each new place they go. Like I think by the end, her title gets a little better. Yeah, her title gets better. Tighter gets better. Tighter gets better. Um, but the costumes, I think, especially in the montage, are really, really good. They're really, really cool. I, I agree with the costumes. I was a little disappointed that they're, the very last one, I think, um, she does, like, she, like, opens the curtain for a second and you see her in basically, like, a sparkly bikini kind of thing. And I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, I feel like that was, like, a hair more than I wanted them to actually ever show of her. 
because the whole bit of her is that she never actually strips. And yes, like obviously like a bathing suit level. She's wearing like a Sasha Colby bejeweled moment where it's like, it could be an illusion, a nude illusion. like Sasha Colby. Yes. (laughs) And that's what I think what they were referencing. Um, I, (laughs) I just felt like, I felt like going out in like basically a bra and panties in the, in the thirties and still, I think when the movie sat, it's like the fifth or sixth is wild. 60s when they're, when they made it, it yeah. felt like it was a little too overtly sexual. Like mm. I, I wanted the bit to be a little bit stronger of like, you literally never see anything. Yeah. Yeah. And so I thought they took it like a hair too far with it. I, I would have loved it if she like never took off a gown even, but I do like the, like I take it off, but there's like a, you know, I know I'm been naked of me. behind like, this. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. only know I only know the iconic Laura Benanti one where she has this huge hat and she holds the hat in front of herself and then fully you are understood to imagine that she is like fully naked behind it, but only mm-hmm. is behind the hat the whole time. And then I think the lights cut out and she like drops the hat and runs off stage or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Sure. Or like, did she ever show like her full back? I'm trying to remember. Well, she was that one of them. She back. shows she she like turns around and you watch her like unzip. Oh, unzip. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what I'm remembering too. I but like I, don't know I that, like yeah. the the way you have to unzip is like the specific yes. hand. It yeah. looks like a cartoon. I did yeah. think it was really cool to like do basically two like a like the montage two montages at once where it's like showing a little more like from the act. Obviously, like more confident she's getting. But Show also, a little more. <laughs> But then also showing made a reference to burlesque. (laughs) Two hours in, but it also montages the obviously the the evolution of how successful she's gotten to. I Mm -hmm. also want to commend this movie, and I think the show in general for like for once. I think in the first time in this, I wish someone would say something nice about this. Okay, and I'll be the first. Um, That this is this, and obviously it's written based on the person who made a career off this living. So mm-hmm. I can understand that. Why, why would they do this? But this doesn't have a negative take. I don't even know if it has like a positive take, but it doesn't have a negative take on like burlesque, burlesque. and stripping. Like it really doesn't look down on Gypsy Rosalie as like a character or performer. Like it's not, I think Rose has her own issues with the fact that she is a famous burlesque performer but i think that's more because she always envisioned this like vaudeville life specific where, vaudeville yeah right which and then they were like oh there's the whole the rift between the burlesque and the vaudevillians and i was like yeah okay <laughs> well, i'm just gonna ex- think, i'm gonna take their word sure. for it i don't know yeah. <laughs> i think it's also it's so brilliant the way that they set up this concept of being a lady and rose being the one committed to it because you under it's like it's like the choice to do the burlesque is understood through the lens of how it is a choice against Rose's principles and Rose's expectations up to this point, but not so much societally, right? Like we don't mm-hmm. see like a leery guy. We don't see somebody disrespect her in the bar after the show or what, like mm-hmm. right. there's no sense of the thing that is wrong with this is how she's going to be treated generally. It's like so focused on that relationship with Rose. Mm-hmm. Yes. But also I think the thing too with Rose is like, the fact that she's so she sees it as like such like a a moral failing for these like women to be burlesque performers, but herself is like obviously morally morally confused and also like is like not willing to settle down and like lead a traditional lifestyle. So on one hand, like 
isn't doing the same kind of thing she would purport to be doing. But I also like that it's married with these, like, as the Bible says, quotes, even though they're never things from the Bible. They're just like random like yeah. sayings that she yeah. that like or just what's the term uh like idioms or stuff like that but they're yeah. not they have nothing to do with the bible no. th- but she'll just put as the bible says it's all part of like it's just another thing it's that, so performative it's a, just a it's just another elk metal or yes. you know it's just another yeah. thing to get her it's another thing that to, that she knows women can wield specifically yeah. as like the more women are the moral compass typically yes. they're seen in society as the moral compass especially in a time where I mean, the 30s were were in the fucking prohibition, which was mm-hmm. like created by suffragettes, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all or it's all really intertwined. It was, it was really the reverse. It was that women organized in order to get prohibition passed, and then said, "Wait a second, we've got all this political like we've got these political right. organizations going already," and it kind of inspired the suffragette movement. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, it's um, the other way around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think again, like I think we're going back to what we talked about earlier about like, which Jeez. makes sense, like sexual no, but sexualization and like the fact that Rose. Mm really eschews the idea of like being That's sexualized that and i word. think that that i believe so i have never said it out loud this is the second time this week i've done this what was the other time bahamian bahamian there's two uh, words i've now learned this week that i've never known how to pronounce so i've never yeah. said them out loud i don't think i would know how to say bahamian necessarily either so there you go rose eschews the idea of <laughs> um like being sexualized at all in the performance and like kind of in general. And I actually, I do think it's very connected with her choice to remain single because I think that she sees that there's danger in, if I'm viewed as a woman who's like remaining, uh, you know, making an active choice to remain a single mother and also I'm sexualized, like I'm really going to lose all my power. Right. Mm. And so I think that it's really a choice that she feels like she has to make. But then what's interesting is that she is so quick to compromise that when she sees yes, the opportunity, when she sees yeah. opportunity to be a star. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we got to the ending. We got to the final scene. Rose's we got turn. to the ending. A true 11 o'clock it's Rose's number. Turn. It is like, this is the definitive the 11 definitive, o'clock number. Because it is 11 o'clock. The show is almost over. But is it, doesn't there need to be an additional finale for something to be an 11 o'clock? No, I think the, well, I don't know. I feel like the original meaning of 11 o'clock number was like this where it's like no, it really like, is at the end because last midnight is to to me last midnight is the cleanest 11 o'clock and then it's the, the big show-stopping song listen it's essentially just the term for the big song at the second at the late second act okay um, in I which a major I, character often the protagonist comes to an important realization examples include so long dearie hello dolly if you walked into my life mate roses turn gypsy work the wound passing strange cabaret cabaret <laughs> It's, I'm not saying it's not an 11 o'clock. What I'm trying to say is it's not the purest it, example because purest. I think the purest example would have an additional finale. That's all I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not 11 o'clock. I always thought it's because it, it around this time it would happen at 11 o'clock, which it is. But in my mind, I was thinking because show started at eight and 11 is like the the final number. But back in the day, show started at 830, not at eight, right? That's what the Wikipedia just said. So what? Yeah, performances was already at thirty. The song would have oh, yeah, yeah. at eleven. So yeah, it is the penultimate. Yes, pin, penultimate. So Rose, 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 Rose. It's your turn. It's your turn, Rose. It's your turn, Rose. Play your card, Rose. Speak it's up. your turn. Speak up, Rose. Speak up, Sing Rose. Rose. Sing out, Rose. The scene heading into it is so a, an example of like a perfectly written for stage scene where mm-hmm. like the You've tension it starts. The, the fact that she comes in and sees the sign on the wall that says, do not let Gypsy Rose's, Rose Lee's mother in here. And so you start off by being like, well, 
this is gonna be it isn't it <laughs> it's this like feeling of foreboding and dread that like it's this, all gonna come to a head finally and then it's a beautiful dressing room huge there, there are roses where she takes one of them mm. and then clips it and tapes it to her lapel like <sighs> because she they're louise's roses but she still feels like she is entitled she, she to is, she created all of this yes. so she is ultimately the person it's like such a her. symbol of i mean it's obviously a symbol because it's a rose but like on top of that because that's her nine that's her night molly her name is rose did you <laughs> know her and that's why everything's coming up roses it's like a reference to her na- it's just a reference to her name but it, no, everything's coming from is just a phrase. It's not. <laughs> it's both. I, I don't things can be two things. It's a phrase from the two Bible. Meanings? <laughs> two meanings to one word. Um. Okay, so they have this fight. Yes. And I mean, scene study, girl. I so mean, good. it just the way it escalates in a way that you already know, even if you didn't know. Even if this is the only scene that you saw I in this love movie, that. you know yeah, exactly you know what's, what's happening. happening. You yeah. know exactly what's going I on. I love already. that Louise is learning French and she says, Abiento. <laughs> when she gets off the phone and she was like, I guess that was a bit much. <laughs> Sorry. But there is a sense of like, she, I don't want to skip the whole song, but I, there is something about the progression of Louise to this point that mm-hmm. she feels justifiable for obviously what she is which casts her mother off but then also justifiable that like she, she can be emotionally immature to potentially still keep rose in her life after this blow up it's it's you such know? an interesting there's like this push and pull with louise in the scene of like both mm-hmm. sometimes being like so dismissive of her mother and showing like i so don't have to care about your opinion but then yes. also sometimes kind of still placating her she still has to give a little bit to her so that she doesn't feel mm-hmm. totally she knows what she's afraid of. Like she knows that Rose is grasping at the, s- the straws here to make sure that she's she still she's paying for her mother. Yeah. yeah, there. I just think there is such a wealth of complexity within, and I think this is why they're used so often in media and storytelling. But like the mother daughter relationship above all others is so fascinating to me because if it's not good, it's like almost always terrible <laughs> like it's like it's mm-hmm. like i don't want to i don't want to speak to all women and all mother or all, all mothers you do and all it so daughters. well adam you know but i'm going to the tongue for you <laughs> i think that like there are obviously many examples of like fathers and listen you want to talk about fathers and sons <laughs> <laughs> i'd rather not <laughs> um i don't need to cry um but i think like there is again in this idea of like the roles that we that societally allow women to have. Uh, there is a, um, what am I trying to say? There's, th- there can start to feel for some mothers who are insecure about their own position in like society at what, at a point where they stop being seen as like an object of desire and only as a mother um, where I think they start to feel like competition with their daughters to some degree. And I think like there, there was like this whole, I only bring this up because like this week there was like this viral video of like this mom who was talking about how she was like something about, or th- I think it was a daughter talking about like how her mom like flirts with her boyfriend or something like that and like felt weird by it and blah, blah, blah. And like, I think there's just a lot of complexity in these relationships where, um, because 
because women are women are women are, are told that they are only to be viewed as uh in 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 correspond or not correspondence but like in tangentially with like a whatever man role is in their life but if you don't have one then like where you're like a free agent basically anyway that i thought was interesting that it, it touches on that to some degree um but i've lost the thread I think uh, let me let me lift up some of what you said there Adam. So I think that you're right that like I don't I don't think I can think of any friends that I have who if you ask them about their mom they would be like I have a neutral relationship with my mom, yeah. right? Like I think very much so that women tend to either have a really close relationship with their mom mm -hmm. or it's really contentious it's really complicated. Mm -hmm. Um I think and I mean, maybe that's true of parents. Like, I don't know many people who are like, I just feel like fine about my parents. Like, I don't have any complicated feelings, yeah, yeah. right? But I do think that, yeah, there's something about the mother-daughter relationship that's like, you got to have strong feelings one way yeah. or the other. Um, and I think what's interesting about this scene and, the, and going back to her not marrying Herbie is how I think that probably some of Rose's concern about getting married is how it would make her lose power and agency. And then, so it's sort of like, she makes this decision of put Louise in the star role don't go with the becoming a wife and mother or she's a mother. Don't go with the becoming a wife narrative. Pursue the stardom. Right. But then she's kind of betrayed in that decision because she loses her power through that choice too. Mm -hmm. It's, it's almost like it is this like great tragedy inevitable, mm -hmm. right? It's like, she would have Electra. tragically lost her power regardless of which choice she made in that scene mm -hmm. about whether or not to put Louise into the show. So I think that that is, perhaps what prompts the Louise's turn, or sorry, the Rose's, Rose's turn, turn number is the realization that this is somehow inevitable that she was going to lose her agency at mm -hmm. some point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I even throughout the whole thing, any, any kind of comment that Herbie made that like, well, you know, these girls are going to have to grow up someday and like, basically live their own lives she like fully averted like so she was all she shut it down she, she said no they won't yeah so she always knew that like it was coming and tried yeah. so hard to fully avoid it and that's why she felt so betrayed by june yes because she because was living her own june. life it all june, it's all about back june. to june sorry louise it is still all about june <laughs> um there is this other thing that i haven't talked about that i think is like another huge aspect of the show that i think is really interesting which is like Merit meritocracy of art and like mm. rose is off rose is obsessed with this idea that like people who are good enough are gonna make it and she refuses mm. to see that like circumstance can lead you to the the place that you're at which is like so funny that that's why it's so important that she just happens to overhear this conversation to get louise to the position that she gets to by the end of the show where like in rose's turn she sings you either got it or you ain't and the whole show has continuously told Louise that she has no talent, mm -hmm. but the line that the, that the photographer in the boudoir like says to her is show us your talent. And then she like smiles for the camera and that's when we cut to the next scene. And I just think that there's like a very interesting. What is talent? Like talent comes in yeah. many forms. Like it could be like star power or like a presence, right. like what I think Rose uh yeah what louise ultimately like develops or like june who was like a naturally gifted yeah. yeah 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 but that's the whole thing is like it it's not that you got it or you ain't louise right. learns how to get it that's that's her whole arc is learning how yes. to get it yes and, mm -hmm. but rose still believes 
And I think maybe that's like a part of her resentment is like, I had it the whole time. And Louise had to like figure it out. But like she's the one that's a star. Yeah. Like there's the resentment that like she could have figured it out too. Like if, if this whole thing played out when, you know, for her. Mm -hmm. (sighs) I'm reading through the rest of my notes to make sure that that was the last one I wanted to talk about. I mean, it's a tour de force, the song. My God. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, um and then yeah we so it really ends with what did who did you do this for who who who, mm-hmm. thi- who do you think i did this for isn't that the line and then she says i thought you did it for me mama no yeah 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 yeah. where she's like who did you think i oh or like you did what did i do it for i thought you did it for me mama yeah <laughs> i mean it's such a good line it's just so in true essence, like fully revert back to the little Louise. What would you say to little Louise now? Like it became that moment of, I thought this was always about making one of us. Yeah. Happy and be a star like that. Mm-hmm. Even look, if it wasn't, even if the kids truly wanted that as their happiness or not Yeah, at the base level, they always knew as kids. Cause that's what she was telling them that like, this will be for you because you are talented and you deserve to be a star. And I'm glad how this movie calls out how parents sometimes are selfish in and justify it through the fact that they have children. Yeah. I, I mean, feel like yeah. you hear a lot of people being like, well, I had to do this thing to feed my family. And I'm like, okay, well, like a lot of people have families and um, that you, that's not like a unique thing about you. And so you can't just like make morally corrupt choices all the time just because you have children to also yes, provide for. It's not a, no, I'm not saying there's yeah. never a time. Obviously, it's very, com- yeah, well, it rally is. Is very complicated. Yeah. But I think it is interesting to say like, I think, I think in Rose's like top layer of her mind, I feel like we're sounding very psychological. I'm like not interested in armchair diagnosing, even though I keep like calling her narcissist and talking about like <laughs> levels of awareness or whatever. I know I mean, we're I- the people that we get annoyed by like online, like, okay, you can't just throw out, you know, you can't just <laughs> diagnose. I'm using narcissistic like as like a descriptor of behavior and not yes, as like a diagnosis. A, yeah. um, but like, I think that like, if you asked Rose through most of this movie, like, who are you doing this for? She would have said she's doing children, right? Like, that is yeah. her belief on like the, the top level of her awareness is that she's doing it for her children. And then yeah. it is Louise calling her out and saying like, 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 do you think Louise already... thinks Louise doesn't think that she did it for her? Right. Like Louise, I think Louise knows what she's doing by saying that. Or I don't know, or maybe she's just feeling sad. I'm not totally sure. I think she just always knows that like at a base level, she's already made it. Even if it wasn't like this level, I mean, through the montage, whether it was two performances before, but at this moment now, she's like, I am happy. I am successful. I am famous. I am a star now. And you're still here. And you still keep wanting to feel like there's something more that we can do. I'm so confused think, about your response to what I just said, but, but I think that all of those things are true. No, I'm that, saying, yeah. That I think that she, oh, now you confused me of what I was going to say. That she. Does Louise believe that Rose did Rose it, for, did her, it for, her, for her or is she skewering Rose with that comment? Yeah, that was my question. Does Louise believe that Rose actually did it for her? Yes. Does she right. believe I thought you did it for me, mama? Does she believe what she says or is she saying it to get back at her mother? I think she, I think she used to believe that. I think she doesn't believe that anymore for a while. Like, I think it was through the experience of her being a star at this point. She, she's finally able to actually say what she's known for a while now. I think it's, 
I think she currently does not think it, but I think that's why she puts it in the past tense and says, I thought you did it yeah. for me, Mama. Oh, girl, writing. Come on, writing. Wow. Yeah. And I, you have to say that, you would have to say, I thought you did it for me, Mama, anyway. Yeah. Because that's how the English language works. But, but also, there's like, two meanings? There's two meanings again, to one word? There's two wow. meanings to one word. I think she is informing her that at one time in my life, I thought, I thought you were doing you it for me. me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yes. And Rose realizes that can't be true because she would be happy now. But in the delivery of that line is how you know that she does not believe that anymore. Yes, exactly. Which I think this scene... Because honestly she's already have, moving on Rosalind it's, Russell should have been nominated for an Oscar it's crazy that she was yes. not nominated this scene should have been why Natalie Wood was nominated because yeah. she is because she's already like she's scene. already doing the game like she's already like I'm in the middle of a photo shoot and I'm still having this conversation with you because it's like I've already made that piece that like this was not I like I've already made that decision you well, know doesn't she I mean? have like, a line I, earlier in the scene where she says do you want to finish it like she's like this is finally going to be the big fight like they needle you can feel that they needle each other so often and she has had it with just towing the line of this conversation i am ready to go and do the whole thing with you i'm yeah. i'm done yeah and it's, she tells her that she never wants to see her again okay i no we have to talk about the tone of how she says i thought you did it for me oh, because this okay. is its own separate so she could, <laughs> this one line line it's like just called i thought you did it for me <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so here are options. Here are options of how it could have been. How it could have been. So you could do it in like a bitchy way. You could be like, I thought you did it for me, mama. Of like, where you like, you're almost like, of course, but like, it's because you're, you're like showing that you know that it's not that, You're saying right? it to like mm-hmm. hurt, to hurt her. To like hurt genuinely her. to be like. You could, you could do it if it was like, she still thought that. She could say it like a desperate pleading way. Yeah. Right? Of like, I please, I thought, like, like, please convince me that you did it for me. Yeah. Or like, look at yourself. Like, come on. Yeah, like, yeah. look at what you, what what you're doing right now you could do it in like actual anger of like i i thought you did it for me like Mm -hmm. of like i i've come so far around on it and i so it's so clearly not true whatever Mm -hmm. but she chooses this simple sad tone (sighs) where you realize like it's not just that she's realizes it's not true she's not even like hurt anymore on some like she mm-hmm. just feels sad for Rose. Yes. yes. She feels sad for Rose. And girl, if there's anything that could devastate you more than your child feeling your sad child for you, pitying for, the, you. And I think, for the pain you caused them, yeah. they, the pain you caused me, I realize now it's more about your pain than mine. Yes. Even. I think also oh. it has to be, but I think, yes, there are a bunch of different ways you could read this line beautifully, but I think that is, and now we will perform. Each and one. now each of us are going to do our four <laughs> interpretations of this life. There, I think that that is the correct version because yes. it has to lead to what happens after Rose's turn, which is a sort of peace offering reconciliation yes. moment. Because she knows truly what she has to be she past knows. the anger. This can't be yes. new information. Yes. She cannot just learn this because you would never be able to get over it. This has to be a point in her life where she has accepted this maybe years ago. Maybe years. And yeah. she's just like been like waiting for. Honestly, I think since when she was like taking charge of the the girls when mm. she became the production manager like i felt like there was something like <laughs> we've decided she was the she's the sm yeah, or she became the sm yeah i genuinely think that she's like it's not about this you know the craft or like trying to get i just it, it was always about that chase not truly yeah. actually helping because she's doing everything she's making it harder for them to actually make a living off of it to like be successful yeah, at it. yeah. well and she has to know when rose 
turns her attention to just from june to her yeah but it's also it's not an instantaneous understanding of your relationship with someone else either it would be built over time where you'd start to reflect and look back and be like see oh my god yeah the puzzle pieces start to fall together what's the first what's the first chisel in that facade i think that when it was june she could believe she really believes that june's got this thing and like that's what it's about is june i think it's everything's coming up roses yeah and that's one yeah let me finish my thought (laughs) will you ask me a question what was the question when, when was, was the, the first when was the first chisel? When no, was the first chisel? no, I didn't phrase it as a question. In my oh. head, it wasn't a question. I said, I think that the first chisel was. So well, I think I you could think... say it four ways. I think one way you could say it like a discovery. <laughs> I think the first chisel. <laughs> That's the I think it never is the, the fact that she's that Rose is so easily able to turn and say, now it's gonna be all about you. Rose's turn. Rose's so, turn. <laughs> that's Sorry. why I wasn't sure for a moment if which one that was, which one that would be the title of, because it would also make sense for it to be. It's a real turn in everything. Yeah. Rose. But, um, it. I think that's the beginning of Louise being able to realize. Okay, it's mm-hmm. all about her. It's not about me at all because obviously she doesn't believe that I have this thing that needs to get out in the world or whatever. I think mm-hmm. what's interesting is more the question of like when does she get to the point where she realizes that and is able to like right like we're talking about like coming out of the anger too because i guess you are saying maybe it's it's by the time she's an sm she's already like fully come around on this but uh but like why why I don't stay know, like why stay yeah why stay why make the argument about the money if you don't think that on some mm-hmm. level your mom still wants it I think I, I think know. I think she would have fully understood this in a time that we did not see, but after yeah. she has become famous. Yeah, I feel that. like the note of the note of on the board of Gypsy Rose Lee's mother is not allowed in the venue is you she's the star of the show. She would be yeah. able to say, You have to let my mother in here. They're not gonna say no to her if her right. dressing room looks like that. I think it's her note. I think she told them, I don't want her in here anymore. I think that too. And I think that that's a crazy thing to do because to have a note and not have anybody enforcing it is like, it's obviously not going to work out. Girl. I guess, I guess maybe she's, it's just like the signs signs at the pools at a hotel that are like shower before you get in the pool. Nobody's showering before they get in the pool. I hate to tell you. Yeah. So dump the chlorine in this. I guess so. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I guess it's meant to, it's like the backstage. So it's like announcements to the crew. So I guess it was supposed to be not that, not that Rose would see it, but that somebody would see it and then actually stop her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, glad we took care of that. Um, I also, (laughs) so words mean two things. Oh, we're discovering. Okay. I only had, thought of rose's turn as like it's rose's chance right not rose's turn yeah it's both it is oh words have they're homonyms homonyms no they're just this homonyms are two words that two words that sound the same like pair and pair oh yeah so so not homonym (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) though that's just two different meanings (laughs) yeah i don't know if there is a word for it yeah i think just many words have multiple definitions so there's maybe not a term for it but yes i think it's absolutely that because i think that it's rose's change as a character yeah being able to understand and come to terms with the fact that she did do it for herself Mm -hmm. that's what's all about are we ready to ask the final question okay i think i know what the final question is but you hit me 
you play the next Mama Rose. What okay. is the ending decision that you make? Mm-hmm. Isn't it funny yeah, that she is ends. never referred to in this movie or musical as Mama Rose? But, she's referred to as yeah, Mama and she's referred, to she's referred as Mama yeah. Rose in the yeah. culture. Yes. It's like I just saw a clip of the fact that Annie, Annie Murphy said that she only said the words you, David, twice in Schitt's Creek. But, but she become, says, but she says like, ah, David, David. or like yeah. she says like, a bunch of a different ex- exclamations with the word David. and But you, David, is the one that's like taken off as if she says it a million mm-hmm, times. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway. Um, What's the yeah, creative I mean, decision that you make to, to end? I, the way that I was going to phrase this question, it's the same question, but the way I was going to phrase it is, <laughs> does she deserve forgiveness at the end? I don't think it's as black and white as forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So you're not a Christian. Which I think is. <laughs> you're not a Christian. We've done this whole podcast to expose <laughs> to expose you, the, you first, the first time we've say. never brought up religion on this podcast. And <laughs> I really I really don't think I think at the maturity that Louise is in at the end of the movie, and honestly, like also someone in like his early 30s. <laughs> I don't think I would have said the same question if you asked me this, like if we watched and analyze this in, in college, I think in college, yeah. I'd be like, no, absolutely not. I really don't think it's as, you know, cut and dry as like forgiving her, but as more of like understanding that she is a flawed person and that she was flawed this entire time. But at the end it's, of the day, she still took care of her in, in her way that I don't think excuses all of the bad behavior, but I think she, Louise is already at a point where she's already made peace with all of that. You can't give forgiveness when it has not been asked for because she has never asked for forgiveness from Louise. Mm. So Louise cannot forgive someone who has not asked for it. However, what Louise can do is recontextualize her relationship with her mother and understand what, and this is like full therapy talk. I hate to say. She's like giving her boundaries. basically. You really have to set what, you your are, new relationship yes, yeah. yeah it's like i am this is now our new relationship yeah. and it seems like at the end in the movie version rose is like coming to terms with it because it's like maybe maybe you do give me something to do maybe that yeah. is something and i think there is like a beauty in oh i just got weirdly emotional um mm. i think there is a beauty in the grace that she offers her mother yes in like a kindness and even though she has just said to her that she never wants to see her again um just like the i oh i don't know why it just hit me so hard um yeah. but the the just like it's 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 um, their mothers it's <laughs> <laughs> um, also my mom and i do not have a do not have do a relationship not, like this at all not, we're not <laughs> no, in we any way not. claiming that any of our mothers are like this no, no not in no, any way not at all not but at all. i can only imagine like the the mother relationship to child no matter no matter the gender is so uh historically culturally for millennia is like the most important relationship you have until i mean allegedly until you have children because even even your own partner is typically usurped by your relationship to the people that you give birth to or procreate um and Adam believes you can only have children by giving birth to them. And I think that's He's true. On the record for that. <laughs> and I think, I think I'm coming out as adoption is uh, ill on society. <laughs> so fuck you, Auntie Mame. <laughs> um, but I think that, um, I think for a lot of people that have relationships with their mothers that are not maybe less than ideal, uh, I think it's 
harder because it is it is supposed to be this like warm Mm -hmm. thing that is always like steadfast and stalwart and never wavers and like your mother would do anything for you and if it's not that then like you are left you are you are orphaned almost you are Mm -hmm. you are left without a guide to go through the world and i think that's so incredibly heartbreaking but she's still able to she's still able to do it and i think yeah if you can even get to that point it's a miracle and then to even take yourself past that and still extend a hand out to the person that you know has like damaged you in a real way but is didn't maybe necessarily do it with malicious intent mm-hmm. like intentionally maliciously but you can still look past maybe not look past it but contextualize them with that understanding then i think that's even more beautiful and why i think like it's so crazy that she's a like she's a character that she's a stripper and i i don't mean that to say like they're less whatever nothing about the comment of it but like the fact that this comes out in 1962 when there's no way like there's a bunch of movies being made about strippers where we're like pro stripper like i just think it's like wild that yeah it it really it really makes her it almost like has a weird parallel to like (laughs) Oh, you want to go religion? Mary Magdalene? Hey. Um, I, yeah. I mean, that was beautiful, Adam, what you said about grace and forgiving her and stuff. And I just want to add that I think that, I think that part of why people are so fascinated by toxic mothers is the expectation that mothers are meant to be unbelievably nurturing, right? And so it's like, when someone has a bad father, it's kind of like, yeah, it's kind of a roll of the dice of whether or not you're going to be a good father. <laughs> but like, <laughs> we think that all mothers should be good at being mothers mm-hmm. because that's what we think women are just like naturally nurturing and and forgiving and self-sacrificing. Because but their body is made to be a mother. They should also yeah. know how to mother, which right. are two In a way that like men's yeah. bodies aren't made to also create children. Great. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> they're made to nut. <laughs> oh, Sorry, sorry, sorry. Children. No, I just it's just like such a dumb argument because it's like no, to, to have a biological child without science, you need two two parts, buddies, and like both both bodies are made to make yeah. children. Anyway, um I think that what's also really tragic though about mothers is the way that people kind of outgrow them mm-hmm. in this way that yeah. I think that we don't tend to think about growing our fathers because I think that the in the very traditionalist patriarchal society father's roles are to teach you more about being an adult and that mothers are there to nurture you when you're so small and you can't take care of yourself Mm -hmm. and that you grow out of the need for that nurturing element of parents, but you don't grow out of the need for the guidance element of Mm -hmm. parents. And so I think that that again, connects to Rose's like anxiety about becoming without use and the fact and the tragedy of she doesn't lose her agency through getting married, but she does end up losing her agency still through Louise being successful and then no longer needing her. And then she has to learn a new relationship. And I think, and I think what's Mm. beautiful about the way that they choose grace in this ending is the fact that it does seem like it's going to be a new relationship. Like Rose, Mm -hmm. or or that Louise is resetting the relationship and Rose is kind of accepting that. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is the most human and optimistic option mm-hmm. and i guess it kind of just depends on the day honestly if that's the one that i want to see or not i know yeah i think yeah. all the ones that i talked about earlier the different variations that they created over time are like, all very interesting endings, in different yeah. ways 
Do you want know to be sick to do a show where the actors got to pick every night which way it was yeah, going to end? How it feels natural, like in your portrayal of that relationship and how it's played out in that the entire performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you what? Do you reach out a hand? Who feels more? You know? Yeah, that'd be really interesting. I think I I'm more um, inclined to. Uh, I think there's something about both living together that still like holds stronger for me huh i, I like both leaving together, together? Oh, leaving leaving okay yeah we both I heard, heard living I heard together living. i was like yeah is that a song that they move in together no like i think something about leaving together kind of seals that deal of like they're able to still have a relationship even though it might not be the same that rose thought or louise thought but it's they're able to find well the fact that the shot ends out ends with them not just walking out the door but like walking away from the camera walking away from the action that had just happened like really cementing that they are putting this ostensibly behind them Mm. in like a visual kind of way and also walking away from the action in terms of like away from the stage stage. and the the part of the relationship that's about the stage oh it's making me think of fleabag and the second season if you've never seen fleabag you have to watch it and turn this off for 30 seconds no i'm telling the listeners Just watch the Um, whole thing right now i'm gonna spoil it for you i don't care but i'm gonna not spoil it for the listeners okay turn it off for 30 seconds but the fact that when she finally sleeps with the priest and then she Mm -hmm. like turns the camera away and how it's all like a metaphor for like how she's like actually experiencing the moment instead of like having to have the commentary about it and like be observed doing it ah such a good show okay anyway I think that that's a really interesting idea of like, like they're literally like they walk away from a physical stage mm-hmm. and they're like leaving the camera and they're like, let's go and like have a relationship. that's like about two of us people that's in no way for mm-hmm. the consumption of performance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Adam, okay. it's not always about this podcast, Adam. We can also have a relationship outside of this podcast. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I'm not trying to put you two on blast, but anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, any final thought? I mean, I thought I, you did it for me. Any, any. Oh, who did you, who did you do this podcast for? That's my closer. Who did you do the podcast for? Adam, I, this Adam did this for Adam. I this did is, this for me and I've been clear about that from the get go. <laughs> very one. clear from day one. Um, is there anything else that people feel like we have not talked about? The only thing I want to say is Chowsy has to be the oldest living dog on earth. <laughs> Chowsy. It was truly shocked that the Chowsy stayed alive that entire time. Chowsy even is the, the Yorkie? Yes. Because yes. even at okay. the end she was like, oh, I got to get back to Chowsy. First of all, Yorkies live to be like 11 years old and then they drop dead. <laughs> Well, Damn. I think we have to, like I think that. based on Rose's history, we have to consider the possibility that there's been more than one chassis. <gasps> She's just oh my God, renamed. I didn't, even, I didn't even think about that, but you're so right. Oh, no. <sighs> one goes, you just, you find the next one and you just put them in the same slot. Yeah. I've made the half, like half truth, half joke with Adam that like, if we get a, another dog, it'll be Friedrich too. Like, like I'm just that's yeah. disturbing. I would, I would never ever visit you again if you did that. <laughs> oh no, We're I could never. Too. <laughs> uh, I could never be in your home if that Friedrich. happened. <laughs> Friedrich, the sequel. What? Friedrich the sequel, mm-hmm. the okay. squeakle. Molly, anything? Does anything else? Anything else? Uh, gosh, I feel like we've analyzed every yeah, inch of this musical. Every little inch. Really I think, did it. Um, she ate. She left no she crumbs. <laughs> um, I truly feel that she worked. <laughs> mm-hmm. Honestly, slay. <Work. laughs> 
<laughs> Anytime she made a crazy decision, you're just like, you know, she's crazy, but honestly, work. <laughs> okay. I think I've come around and I think this is a good movie. Um, there you go. The writing. I don't know if I'd want to watch it a bunch, but I do think it's a good movie. Yeah. We just have to rewatch the Everything's Coming Up Rosa scene. Why did I do it? What did it get me? Scrapbooks full of me in the background. Give them love and what does it get you? What does it get you? One quick look as each of them leaves you. All your life and what does it get you? Thanks a lot and out with the garbage. They take bows and you're batting zero. my turn don't i get a dream for myself sudden now it's gonna be my turn gangway world get off of my runway sudden now i had a thousand this time boys i'm taking the vows and everything's coming up everything's coming up roses everything's coming up roses this time for me Um, so I only found one okay. review for the original film that was not some shitty dude bro mm-hmm. in like a bad movie blog review. And I'm not, whatever. So this is the Variety Review from 1962. You can tell it's the vari- official Variety Review because it's written by who? Mm. Staff. You, be- you know, back when people just didn't get credit. Also, you know who's uncredited in this movie? All of the boys in this film That's tragic. are all uncredited. Yeah. Which is crazy because they're like, have yeah. parts and they're in songs. Like, it's not like they're chorus people. Okay. Uh, Variety. This movie has 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. The review says, I'm going to read the whole thing. There is a wonderfully funny sequence involving three nails hard strippers, which comes when Gypsy has been unreeling about an hour. The se- What does that mean? The sequence is thoroughly welcome and almost desperately needed to counteract a certain Jane one note implicit in the tale of a stage mother whose egotisms become something of a bore despite the canny skills of director-producer Mervyn Leroy to contrive it otherwise. Rosalind Russell's performance as the small-time brood hen deserves commendation. It is. Cl- you also know it's ni- the 1962 review because brood they said hen, brood yeah. hen. It is cleverly managed all the way with much help from the camera angles of Harry Stradling Sr. Russell is less surprising than Carl Malden as the mother's incredibly loyal lover who finally screams when he perceives that she cares for nobody and nothing except her own ego compulsions. writing that they find Herbie more compelling than Rose is... I'm so offended. 
Um, about Natalie Wood, it is not easy to credit her as a stripper, but it is interesting to watch her under Leroy's guidance go through the motions in a burlesque world that is prettied up in soft focus and a kind of wow, phony only innocence. one part of that movie you were interested in caring about Natalie Wood. Interesting, sir. <sighs> Any resemblance of the art of strip and its setting to reality is in this film purely fleeting. And he was sure disappointed. This review. There are some beguiling satirical touches in the recreation of the hokey vaudeville routine starring baby June Havoc, well impersonated by Anne Gillian, whose flight from the mother turns the latter's attention upon the previously neglected sister Louise, the Gypsy Rose of later showbiz. The film, of course, is based upon the autobiography of Gypsy Rose Lee and the 1959 musical comedy in which Ethel Merman starred. More chronicle than musical, there are advantages still in some of the music and lyrics and the choreography. I this is the worst review I've ever read. I think this person should be shot for writing this review. I appreciate the work Staff. that you do, Adam, in finding us reviews to read. And I'm sorry it was such a difficult process for this one because this yeah. is garbage. This one... The, I, Genuinely, yeah. this was the hardest. Yeah. Okay. This is gypsy. Yeah. This isn't a movie where it's like, oh, I've never heard of it. Uh, like next week, a YouTube I don't video. Know, though, like, <laughs> oh yeah, do re I feel like I, I wonder how many people, I guess it was fairly popular in the 60s. I wonder how many people who are not musical people would know what this is. Mm. I, I mean, I guess that's true. Mm, yeah. I, it just is, it was wild because there's no full reviews yeah. online. That was the only one I found. It was also a little bit hard because there's been so many revivals yeah. of it that it's like hard to sift through, which what are we even talking about anymore? But um, and then even on Letterboxd, obviously my Letterboxd reviews, I always try to find funny ones. This is not a surprise. If you've listened to the podcast more than once, you know that that's the bit on the show. But even this one, I had to go through four pages of Letterboxd reviews to find three like funny yeah. little quips about this movie because truly most people, I saw someone who was like, this is the worst 142 minutes I've ever spent in my life. And I was like, what are we talking about? And then there were other ones that were like, Roz, Roz Russell is a true a gift to the American yeah. cinema. And I was like, okay, queen. <laughs> I, I want to know how many of the people who left negative reviews do not like musicals really genuinely. I, I mean, maybe yeah. some people love this, this original and they're like, like they love the stage show and they feel betrayed by it. But like, Oh, because this feels so to the book of like a, a a drama, like a theatrical drama. Like it follows such a clear. I will say, if there's structure. one thing, Letterbox has a lot of like cinephiles mm. on it. Like that's you know whatever. And if it's a comment on like the film, I c- yeah, I will say this is a this is a filmed stage mm. musical. Like this is not big in any kind of like cinematic sense yeah. it does not have scope it in is, that way I feel like which i like about it but i understand if you're like a person who puts that above other things i understand why this would be it's very more similar to carousel and the level of like it's just kind of putting it into a film the baseline filmic language yeah. but it's like soundstage yes. you know like not drawing attention yeah. to that in the way that like a little shop does but it's it's very right not trying to mimic a real world Right. Yeah. Um, so on Letterboxd, this is 3.4 out of 5 stars. Patrick gave it 2 and says, interesting choice to start the movie at the 90 minute mark. Start the story at the 90 minute mark is what it says. Which is oh, start the, by, start the story. Apt. Yeah. It's true. Russman uh, gave it 2.5 stars and said, oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. You'll ever be undressing. Cute. This is how bad yeah. I had to. This is how bad these reviews are that I had to go yeah. with that one. What's wrong with you? Um, and Luke, 
Luke Pisano gave it four and a half stars and said, I thought you did it for the gays, mama. <laughs> Which is the That's best great. review. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to have to go on and write something. Yeah, write something funny, we gotta, please. We gotta get, Show up. We got to get these reviews up. What's yeah. going on? You're gonna be mad. I'm gonna take her. I'm taking mm. Rosalind Russell. Okay. I think it's and why? <laughs> I just what think it's like about her? a really understood performance of who this yeah. woman is. I I think she completely gets this character. I don't think she looks down on this character in any way. But I th- also I think she has like really light comic moments that are really good too. I um it's really nuanced and her roses turn, even though I know she's not singing it. I don't, I'm less precious about that. Uh, I think it's really good. I would have been crazy to see Ethel. Yes. Yeah. It that. also made me more sad about the whole Mame situation. Not that Rosalind Russell would have been in the musical version of Mame, but like, I feel like people sort of like when we did the Lucille Ball version, people were like, but have you seen the Rosalind Russell version? And I feel more aware mm-hmm. of what I missed out on by not just watching the straight up movie. I would be interested to see how cl- similar this is to her auntie May. Yeah. Obviously they're not similar characters There's per se, but there is kind overlap. of a certain yeah. bigness about yeah. Yeah. Their yes. exuberance. Exuberance. What a great word. Um, RJ, <sighs> I'm gonna let you go next. <gasps> okay, okay. I'm going in the order that we did the, the what? Earlier. Okay. The what? Our backgrounds. Oh, okay. oh. Well, since you gave me the second choice, I was afraid that I would have to come up with a third person. So yeah, that's why I'm worried. Looking. But since I got since I got the second choice, I'm picking Natalie Wood. I think she really, truly, I mean, truly nails it. Like it's even just imagining from Little Lamb to the end of the movie. Like even if if this full movie was just truly from her perspective, like it would be already just so. I feel like I watched two movies. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. her story and then Rose's story. And she just gives a full life. Mm-hmm. Like it's so good. Yeah. And that honestly makes me want to watch more Natalie Wood yeah. performances. And so I much really of it, only seen two, so, so much of this performance is just her reacting. Yes. Which is the craziest part. It's not her having like long speeches or anything. It's 90% just of acting her is staring reacting. in horror. Mm-hmm. Reacting. Yeah. Okay, Molly. Um, Molly. I'm going to give it to whoever blocked, <laughs> uh, Everything's coming up roses. Everything's coming up roses. <laughs> that scene yeah. is so good. So I'm just going to say the collective effort of everyone, which is very much what an MVP award is, is for giving it to a team. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say mm. the person who put together most, valuable, most people. valuable people or the people who put together the way that uh, everything's coming up roses is blocked. Tyra Swan is an uncredited person in art department. He was a... An, uh, an animator Tyrus Wong yeah he was a Disney I think he was in. oh yeah Bambi yeah, yeah. my closer of course is gave your one of your co-hosts a burlesque pseudonym <sighs> the way that this should it also include a slur um, I would prefer you avoid slurs um, but okay. I think that the way that this one was assigned is it would be the it would be a descriptive word about you, your mom's name, and then the first initial of your first name. Oh, we're, we're following, following the Gypsy Rosalie way of creating a burlesque name. Ooh. Okay. But you but we have to give them to each other so that they yeah, are um, 
for the descriptive words, at least, I think we, rather than assigning them to ourselves, we should give them to each other. And Lee was her last name? Well, it was Louise. And then the person messed up the announcement. So they just said Lee instead. So we'll have to do like a initial based shortening. Okay. Okay. For Mm -hmm. Adam. Oh, God. Adam's burlesque name is (laughs) Jester Nancy Ainsley. (laughs) Ain, A, Ad, Ad, the A, the A really um, halted Mm. me there. Jester Nan, uh, nothing sexier than a Jester. Well, it's a descriptor. It is. It's a descriptor. I have I have one for RJ. Okay. I think you should be Honey Joy Ray. <gasps> oh my god. Uh, yummy. You're you're so like I feel like honey is a great word for you like warm and inviting Thank and like, you know, sweet. So that would be my scripture for you. <laughs> Thank you. And famously my mother mm-hmm. Joy. Mary Joy. Mary Joy. Oh, I add the Mary for a for a uh like a Mary Magdalene. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do love just Honey Mary Joy, though. That's also, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. Oh, she'll love that. She'll, she'll love it. Hey, mom, I have a persona. I have a burlesque persona named after you. She'll be like, huh? She'll be like, what took so long? <laughs> Finally. And she becomes fully uh, Mama Rose. <laughs> a star. Hard to pull a Mama Rose when your kids in their 30s, but, you know, I'd love to see someone try. <laughs> It's never too late. Okay, Adam. Um, he can't do it. He has to say one nice thing uh, about me, and he's physically incapable of doing it. Yeah, I was trying to. Fi- I know the first two. I'm trying to figure out how to make your last name. Just My name. Her name. Molly. You could Emmy. just steal what I did with RJ and just do May. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. No, it's gonna be That's me. I was like, it's it- gonna be me. I can tell from your smile. <laughs> it's not mean it's just stupid <laughs> Dr. Rita May good for burlesque at all okay uh, you have Thanks. to do it's all it's all nurse doctor oh. kind of. yeah i was about to say like nurse sexy nurse sexy nurse but you're a doctor yeah but you're dressed as a nurse but you are but a, I'm a, doc- I'm a legal doctor. doctor oh my god yeah, yeah. huge stethoscope <gasps> huge just like laura the it's the the stethoscope is perfectly exactly. placed it perfectly just placed covers stethoscope. the mm-hmm. nips yeah yeah, yeah. Ooh. wow i'm sold listen I'll show up for the ticket, and you know what? I'll buy the full package. We'll I'll get a limited drinks throughout the night. Oh, yeah, we'll do bottle service. Yeah, we'll do bottle service. Yeah, or like yeah. sure. Who I'll knows? T- who we knows? Don't. We don't. We'll buy bottle okay. service for sure. Who was it in college that did burlesque? What's her name? She was, a, she was a senior. Alex. When we were Jerry. Jerry Toko. There was also <laughs> we'll bleep that there was name a, out. Wasn't like Alexis something? I feel like was the. Yeah, I yes. feel like she was big into burlesque, and then oh, right. it was yeah. Alexa. That's right. Yes. Oh, yeah, she, I think she still does it. Yeah, she, it's like a burlesque cool. persona. Yeah, we should believe yeah. those names for sure. Okay, great. I wasn't going to include oh, it at all. I love that even more. 
even more. We got to cut this down oh, somehow. Yeah. Yikes. <laughs> Three hours and 17 minutes. I was not minutes. expecting this from Gypsy, but it's great. Um, are we coming up with another one for each other? No. Are you, we were just no. doing one. Just waiting for somebody to start singing no, a song. I think that's perfectly fine. Okay. Um, everything's coming up roses and daffodils everything's coming up bright lights and lollipops everything's coming up sunshine and santa claus santa claus everything's coming up roses for me and for you Thank you for listening to the best revival of a podcast, Showgaze. You can find us on social media. Adam is at Adam Noecker on Twitter. RJ is at RJ Food Rocks on Instagram. And Molly is at Molly Matiny on Instagram. This episode was edited and mixed by Adam Noecker. This has been an Ampliverse production. You can find our show page and more information at theampliverse.com. If you'd like to send us your own takes on the movie we just watched, reach out to us via email and we might read it aloud on the show. Our email is showgazemoviemusical at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to help others find the show. And now, as always, the show must go on. So stick around to hear what we're going to be watching next episode.
Discovering Voices, Building Worlds.